Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick. The young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 88 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. It is 4.14, Monday the 3rd of October. Dundalk meets Limerick. Andrew McGahan meets Sean Sheehan. Sean, you're heading into the big city this evening, I believe. What's the story, kid? Yeah, What's the story, I am, kid? Oh, am, here. Sorry yeah, to cut across you. Remember my two mates that did all the boys on the false course? Yeah. They're supporting the rubber bandits on Halloween in Galway at the uh, Vodafone Comedy Festival. In, in the ga- I think we've brought these two places closer together, I think. I think it's us. Oh, forget about them. It's us, to be honest. Yeah, the, it is the us. Ten- like, Limerick had a bad reputation. Dundalk has, a bad mm. area, has bad areas. We've united through... I'm trying to think. Through the hard times, I suppose. Yeah. Through the unfair assertions of the general public of the beautiful areas of Limerick and Dundalk. Yeah. We have defeated the stereotypes. We've come together hand in hand. It's like a pride rally from 2008 in San Francisco. We're so progressive, it's beyond, beyond belief, Sean. It's unbelievable. See, Limerick got like a 500 million uh, investment to like redo the whole uh, city centre and stuff. I'd put that down to me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, you're definitely... In, there's a list of reasons, but I definitely would rank you in the top one. It's, I'm definitely up there. It has to be up there. <laughs> I was going to suggest that the 500 redevelopment was used towards... Taking Limerick and putting it out of Ireland, uh, like onto an island. You could be the Hawaii you, of Ireland. You're, regre- you're fucking regressing us now again, no, Andrew. No, 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 no. We've worked so long for people like you to come in here and uh, do this. It's terrible. No, no, no. I definitely think that you have the great possibility of becoming the Macau of Ireland. Okay. <laughs> so f- forget about the hills of Donegal. Forget about building your own Las Vegas. We need to move Limerick out of the Ireland. Out of the island. China are going to pay for it. And did you just go full Donald Trump? There? I did, yeah. China, China. Then we're gonna just turn it into a cesspit of holiday goers. So okay. it'd be like it, it's gonna be like Ibiza, but with rain twelve months of the year. <laughs> it's gonna be pissing rain. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm down for that. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm and okay. You with would that. be appointed the mayor, obviously. Okay. So I can, can I get where those big bling yonks? <laughs> It's, I'd be, look, you'd lose your mayoral title if you didn't. You know, it's standard at this stage. Like. So. I'm, in, I'm in. I'm in. Are you all Are you all there? And do you know what the best thing about it is, Sean? What? We'd have a load of lads looking to get into top shape mm. for the six, sorry, six, for the two weeks of summer that this island off the coast of Clare would <laughs> two have. Days. I say off the coast of Clare because Limerick won't exist anymore. So Yeah, that's so, fair enough. <laughs> off the coast of Clare, we'll have uh, the new Limerick. But you're going to have lads getting just, you know, I know you, you can't actually see me at the minute, Sean, but I will put on the video just so you can see the movements that I'm doing here. I see you. Get, yeah, in that better shape. Like an old drug addict. <laughs> Twitching, you're, you're twitching like in my bedroom. You're like Chris Montesanti from the Sopranos when he got addicted to heroin. No, no, no. I'm just I'm flexing here for you. See that? Yeah, That's see what that. all the lads are going to be doing. And for orsnutrition.com, the proud sponsors and friends of the Severe MMA podcast, they're just the lads that will be able to help you out to get that summer body ready. Deadly boys there. Head on over to orsnutrition.com, fully stocked with absolutely everything you need if you're going to the gym or if you're an athlete. If you need specific recovery 
you need improved performance, you need to take different types of proteins, whey and plant-based, both available on orasnutrition.com, then head on over there. If you're a GEA player, we're at that time of the year, Sean, where Dundalk and everywhere around the country thinks that it's Dillon, Texas for Friday Night Lights. It's senior championship time here in Dundalk. The Loud Senior Final happened the other day. I don't know if the, the Limerick equivalent has yet. I don't know if no they're idea. all on the same weekend. Don't think so. Either way, a load of lads just... That's pretty much what GA is. And if you're one of those guys next year hoping to win a senior title, you think, oh, we fell short this year, but we were just a little bit lacking sharpness. We need to follow suit of the men that they're affiliated with, the Dublin GAA team. I need to be able to keep going just that little bit longer. Get into pre-season in January, doing the early road, Sean. Going that little bit longer. ORS Nutrition have you covered, categorised by sport. GAA, soccer, martial arts, boxing, swimming, Everything you want is over at orsnutrition.com. You put everything into a basket, Sean. This is how it gets better. Oh, phone should have been on silent. You think everything is going to get better. Or you think it can't get better. But I'm going to no. tell you, Sean, it does. Okay? Go on, tell us this, how. This is as if we stole the Empire State Building and put it on this new island that we're making outside the coast of Ireland. That's how much of a steal this is. Mm. 25% off your first order on orsnutrition.com. It's, it's too much. You, no, well... Okay, we'll just take the Eiffel Tower instead then, not okay, the Empire State enough. Building. 25% off your first order if you use the discount code SEVEREMMA, S-E-V-E-R-E-M-M-A, all in capital letters. You'll get 25% off your first order from orsnutrition.com. Uh, we massively appreciate the support from these guys. They've been um, sponsoring the podcast now, coming up in a couple of months. We've got good feedback from our customer, Sean. We enjoy getting a snapshot of just got my ORS nutrition order. Um, we usually get a lot of tweets. We usually get a lot of Snapchats as well. The future's bright, mm. you know? Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any social media platform that you're on yourself. Search for ORS nutrition and give them a follow. Am I thinking of, am I forgetting anything, Sean? They do so much for us, you know? It's they hard do. to It's hard to get it all in there. It is, yeah. Just go on over to our website, com. Have a look around. Even if you don't buy anything for us, have a look around. Suss it out. Maybe, like, send it to your girlfriend. Say, oh, my birthday's coming up there. Buy me some of this. You know, send her promo code severe mail. Like, you can get 25% off it, so you don't have to pay as much. You know, this is how we're keeping relationships together here. Let's be honest. This is what's happening. com. 25% off. Today. So that is a beautiful. But Sean. Yeah? A little bit of other news. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So within the last couple of weeks, we were approached and uh, for this week only, we're delighted to announce a new sponsor onto the Severe May podcast. Team Jacked. Team Jacked. Named after my hulking 65 kilo physique. I'm honored that the guys launched <laughs> a company after in my name. But Team Jacked have come on board here with the Severe MMA podcast. And they have something a little bit different for you. I think it's a great idea. I think it's really going to take off. As someone who's been involved in gyms and uh, worked at personal trainers and stuff like that. The trend a couple of years ago was that uh, people were able to train each other online sending videos on how to do it and really just improving like you know the only way to be shown something Sean is through a video or to have someone standing right there beside you yeah so if you go to the gym and any of these things hit you 
if you are not sure what exercises you should be doing in the gym or how to do them correctly, if you feel that you've, you've plateaued, you've stagnated, you're not getting any swoller, you're not lifting anymore, people are beating the PBs all around you in the gym and you can't do anything, you're lacking motivation, it's raining, will I even bother? Sure, I'll just go to the casino down the road in my new island of Limerick, why would I bother going to the gym? If you're tired of getting your own programs and looking them up online, Team Jacked have released their program, which is specifically designed by a trainer with over 10 years of experience. Not just a six weeks course, not just a slimming course, not just a 30 day challenge. This, these guys have been involved in health and fitness for years and years and years. It will make you fitter, faster, stronger, better looking. That actually might not be true about better looking. Man. But, uh, well, physically better looking. Yeah. Not aesthetically better looking. Mm, you never know. Um, wait, no, aesthetically is the same thing. I'm sorry, mm. Sean. But most importantly, what these guys are trying to get through to the people that are using them is it will educate you on how to train efficiently and properly. Am I right with that? You're dead right. The app has an absolutely outstanding amount of features. It's a brilliant thing straight to your fingertips. It is like having a personal trainer in your pocket 24-7. The program has four mandatory workouts on it each week with another three optional workouts depending on your level at the time. When you join Team Jacked, you're not just signing up for some, some programs in a gym. There's your program, mate. See you again in six months when you need a new one. This is absolutely personalized. You're joining a team of people that are all on the same journey as you. Like-minded lads, they're enjoying a laugh as much as they're training and they will support and motivate you to get excellent results. As someone who's been in mainstream gym, Sean, and known a lot of people that have been as well, you get a program on your first day. They're delighted to have you there because they want you to sign over the direct debit details. They want to get you in for a couple of months and then they'll give you a program. Maybe you're not going to come back. Maybe you will or they're with new clients when you come back. This removes all of that. And do you know what the best of it is, Sean? What? All of this each week for less than the price of a pint. Nice. And I believe that we can offer people a one week free oh, trial with you, Jack, can't we? You're ruining the surprise! Oh! 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 <laughs> <laughs> to grab a one week free trial, this is what you have to do. Head on over to the Team Jacked Instagram page. Instagram.com forward slash Team Jacked. That's if you're on a browser, but nobody uses Instagram on a browser. Head on over to the app, search for Team Jacked, and search them on Facebook as well. How can we offer them the free tri- trial, Sean? Just get on over there and you'll, you'll see it. They'll get it. That's Don't all you need that. to do. That's all you need to do. Head on over to their Instagram and Facebook pages. Look for Team Jacked. You'll be able to download the app. You'll be able to get your one-week free trial from the boys at the Severe MMA podcast. Cannot recommend it enough. I think it is going to change the way that people are training themselves in Ireland at the moment. They're going to get a great surge here. People are going to be trying it out. And most importantly, guys, once you've downloaded it, let us know how you're getting on. If you're a gym user and you're thinking maybe this would be something great, send it back to us. We want to hear the feedback as well. Make sure you tag us, the Severe MMA podcast, on Twitter in it as well, as well as when you're tagging Team Jacked on Twitter. Here's a... Because when I'm listening to podcasts like this, I always wonder, how do you spell it? So here's how you spell it. It's team, T-E-A-M, jacked, J-A-C-K-E-D. J-A. A. J-A-C-K-E-D. Boom. Help you. Help us. Help you get jacked. What? You just cheated on our rest nutrition. I just, I just, no, it's different. No, it's you a know, little spin. Yes, it brings spin them both it. together. They're, yeah, they're perfectly used together. Like I love it. In sync here. That's now all fantastic. we need is like a, 
an ice cream company to sponsor ice cream, us. Yeah, exactly. So you can go and have a nice ice cream afterward, not beer oh, company. Send us, okay. send us samples. That's what you mean. Powerade or something. Yeah, exactly. But I suppose we better talk a bit about MMA, will we? What? Is this not just the advertising podcast? I, I thought it was. <laughs> funny. It was oh awesome. my God, sorry. I know, we're, I know we're a few minutes in here and I know I had a hilarious topic. We're going to get to that next week yeah. as the introduction. But uh, how funny would a podcast be if it was just an hour and a half of advertisements? <laughs> that so would be the far- biggest. That's like someone selling sand to the Middle East or rain to Ireland. Like, do you know what I mean? Just, okay, guys. Right, we'll be back tune- <laughs> no, no, not 12 minutes. An hour and a half of different advertisements. That's a must listen podcast right there, Sean. Yeah, there'd be a fair amount of forwarding through that one, I'd say. Do you know, and coming up next on the Severe Advertisement Podcast, we discussed the UFC 205 press conference that took place last week in Madison Square Garden, in the Grand Madison Square Garden Theatre. <laughs> that press conference will be brought to you by com. <laughs> and if yes. you need dude wipes... <laughs> no, no, no. In all seriousness, Sean, we can, we can lose the monotone. It's not the middle of the night. I'm not going to wake my sister up. We can express ourselves freely here in the Severe MMA recording studio. As you know, I'm looking at you right across the desk. We do this podcast live in studio. This last week, Sean, unfortunately, just after the podcast dropped, in typical Severe MMA fashion, for those that don't know, Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez was made official as the main event for the UFC's inaugural debut in New York in a couple of weeks' time at UFC 205. How disappointed were you to find out that the news was confirmed after our podcast had dropped? Not that disappointed because I said on the podcast last week that it was going to happen after everyone, <laughs> after everyone had last off and everything. You were so like, was, yeah, it's still going to happen. I was like, deadly. <laughs> this just made me look better. <laughs> I just didn't give a shit. But yeah, we sure it gives us a scope to talk about it this week anyway, I suppose. Unless, so, since yeah. it was announced, we had the press conference. Conor McGregor jaunted off to New York for a couple of days. He did the press conference. He showed up. And I think, am I fair enough in saying, Sean, 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 that this was vintage Conor McGregor, if not the best that we've seen him at a public performance. And that's exactly what it was. It wasn't a press conference. It was a public performance. It was all over Facebook. It was all over the internet. He took shots at anybody and everybody. And it's all geared towards getting people to part with their hard-earned dollars to tune in and buy UFC 205 as he looks to become the first man in history to simultaneously hold two UFC titles at once. It, it was, and I think it was good as well. I know Conor McGregor's there, we all know what he, he brings, but I think it was great because Eddie Alvarez played back a little bit and he wasn't intimidated and he, he laughed at McGregor and he shouted back at him and all. And I think that makes it good. That's why Diaz was so special. And that's why guys, you know, like even Chad Mendes and Jose Aldo, it got a little bit tiring. Well, not Chad Mendes because it was short, but, you know, sometimes it can get a little bit tiring because the other guy can't fight back. Or Jose Aldo, you know, the the, uh, the language barrier was there. Same with Dos Anjos a little bit, or they're just not quick-witted enough. Or Diaz. 
Yeah, but Diaz is kind of just like fuck you and fuck <laughs> you. So yeah, but Eddie Alvarez played back a little bit. Did you like at the start? McGregor was uh, was saying I have respect for Eddie Alvarez, and then <laughs> Eddie Alvarez kind of cut him off, and it's like, uh, yeah, 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 let's <laughs> you know, let's get going. And McGregor's like, look, okay, you want to play? Let's play. <laughs> and then McGregor just went full bore in him, and Alvarez, you know, they're, they're answering each other back. I, I thought it was funny. People people read into these things an awful lot. Uh, saying oh the first blow landed and all this but it makes no difference really it's just it's entertainment it sells tickets I did like it's it's a part of fighting outside of fighting that's really enjoyable and I think some people get caught up in it a little bit too much but it's 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 entertainment it's sell tickets it's to uh, it's to sell pay-per-views and all that but um, look McGregor got in a few good blows with his um uh, he, you know, he brought up about Eddie Alvarez accepting uh, a pay that was the, the same he was getting paid for his last fight, and not looking, not getting more pay. He probably looked for it, but he didn't get more pay for this fight. That's what McGregor said, anyway. and then Alvarez came back with the. I didn't need the, more money. You're the easiest <laughs> fight for the most money. Exactly. Yeah, which was kind of stupid, but okay. But he came back. He called it a little boy belt and stuff at the end, which was which was very good. They took jibes at Eddie Alvarez took him at uh, John Kavanaugh, and Mark, or, uh, Conor McGregor took Mark Henry. Which you know, which was good as well because that has been kind of a lingering thing. Even though they kind of, I think they shook hands and stuff after the press conference. But uh, yeah, all in all, it was it was pretty good, pretty funny, thoroughly enjoyable, um, a lot of good as you were saying there interaction. I did think that uh, Connor definitely got under Alvarez's skin with because that's that's Connor revealing something in the press conference that Alvarez wouldn't have wanted the public to know. Do you know yeah. if it is true about the money issue, and that is pretty much what you speculated last week to be fair on the podcast as well you thought it could have been a hold up and a money issue on Alvarez's side and that like to me I was just thinking like same way like I thought maybe Dana was a little bit out of line saying Connor's going to talk to the media after 205 he's got personal stuff going on like you'd imagine that could have been something like if you're if you're really putting the tinfoil hat on and you're like okay there's strained relationships and it's true that maybe Connor hasn't dealt with Dana in the last while, uh, in terms of negotiating his deals, like that's been put out there by multiple uh, journalists that Connor deals with higher ups, then then that's a little bit out of line. Of do you know what I mean? I thought from Dana, so Connor, I thought stemming from that was able to get a couple of his jibes back. Do you know that sort of way? Like Darren Rovell, who I now learned his name since last week, who decided it would be appropriate to record himself while uh, asking Dana White the first question as. It was weird that he even got the first question, to be honest, considering what he's put out in the past. Um, he said, Connor, the UFC, what are you worth to the UFC? And Connor said, 4.2 billion. Do you know, after it had been sold for 4.2, what are you worth? And he's like, I am the show. Do you know, there was another thing as well. I think when he brought up Alvarez's contract negotiations, sort of, that was him kind of going back, you know, revealing revealing something from. From the war ground, I suppose you could say. From the battle negotiation tables of putting UFC 205 together. Outside of that, we had to sit through some of the most horror-inducing questions of a UFC press conference history. And I include the ones that I have had the misfortune of getting up and trembling and speaking at. That was 
hard to watch, saved by the fact that we had a fan impersonate a media member at the end of it. <laughs> Thai guy. To be able to fuck Eddie Alvarez off from a height of it. <laughs> That's hilarious. What did you make, Sean, of the... Like, let's... Okay, sorry. How have we been talking about this for five minutes? And I know, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's okay, coming. I'll let you do it. I let you do it. Scatter <laughs> the ashes. He's done. Just, just, just before we get to that, all right? The, yeah, the questions I thought, I thought Figo Farrell was there. He answered, asked a good question about you know is Mystic Mac coming back? Didn't someone else ask exact exact same, same question on like Fig? I know he stole it on him. Like that's like, that's the guys that have it. Sorry, Sean. Yeah. Like because you see these guys like they write their question down and they're yeah. just looking at it furiously. And it's like. I need to stand up in front of a room full of people and talk to Dana White and ask a question. I need to know this word, this question, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Then you've got the Andrew McGahan approach where you answer the question for the fighter in the question (laughs) that you're asking and Conor McGregor fucks you off on the stage. Don't even ask a question. Just, Just uh, Andrew McGahan here, gonna make, oh, by the way, also, let's just talk about that for a second here. Okay. Hi. uh, Andrew here from... NorthSouthPunchingFaceKicks.com Question for Dana White Dana When are you coming back to Ireland? Why do Like Fair enough I had a couple of people come back at me on Twitter It's polite It's the thing to do It's proper journalism practices When has proper journalism practices ever been followed in mixed martial arts? Do you know the, The people that they're trying to cover Are being Pushed away By the organization that they're trying to cover you know, there's fair enough. There's proper journalistic practices coming from the journalism point of view, but it's not a two-way system. Do you know, it's just I, I. The one thing I don't like is when people get up at those press conferences because whatever about okay, being polite and introducing yourself. No one in the mixed martial arts world that gets up and introduces themselves like that are doing it from being polite. They're trying to get people to go onto their social media channels. You yeah. wouldn't. You wouldn't list off low kick punching sixty nine dot com. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, Team Crazy. Oh, no, not Crazy, because they're actually a really good MMA website from the UK. It's <laughs> just Crazy came into my head. Uh, I don't know, Crazy High Spinning Kick Blood Spatter.com. Do you know, that's. Infuri- it, it infuriates me, and it takes so much time as well. And it's like, over here, to your right. That one guy that got Dana, it wrong, to your right. To say it again. That was, that was the oh, one. yeah, he's like, what was your question? <laughs> Uh, just look episode of the Simpsons Sean where Homer Simpson's hand when he had written the stuff on his hand and it became smudged with the sweat (laughs) he's trying to read that's UFC press conferences I I thought the fans were really good I thought they were actually funny and stuff and uh, I I know to give Tyron Woodley a bit of a a bit bit of a when when you're fighting you know the best most likable brilliant fighter in the world you're gonna expect a little <laughs> bit of that i thought i thought woodley actually took it very well i thought he played the heel well he's like okay i'm gonna let you boo and then i land he did that well uh and i thought wonderboy played the baby face role well as well so that's 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 a good way of uh of going about it but let's let's get on to the main man jeremy stevens <laughs> who just has there ever been a better moment in the ufc press conference or, or anywhere in the ufc it's if you if you haven't seen it, if you've living under a rock, someone asked uh, Conor McGregor if you had to pick one person on the stage who'd be your hardest fight, who would it be? And before he had time to answer, Jeremy Stevens came out with, 
me, me, I'm I'm the hardest fight. I'm the hardest, real hardest hitting 145 pounder. And he kind of kept blabbing. And then McGregor like looked to the left, looked to the right, looked back at him and just went, who the fuck is that guy? And then just everyone burst into laughing, just absolutely. Even the fighters on the stage, like. <laughs> Even Donald Cerrone, who hates McGregor, was fucking pissing himself laughing. Um, my favorite was Yoel Romero, who didn't get asked one question in the whole press conference. <laughs> when did that happen? Before? They're loving it. Was it Tim uh, Boach? Was Tim Boach brought onto a stage before for a headline no, fight at a was, big? No, it was um, the Doberman. What's his name? Drew. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, I can't think of his name. He's the Dorman is his nickname anyway. I that think dude. Ben. Ben. Uh, Rothwell? No. There's been, it's been. It's happened a couple of times. Yeah, Kelvin no, Gastelum it definitely has. Yeah, yeah. CB Dalloway. Dalloway. Yeah. That was it. Kelvin Gastelum wasn't asked one at the weekend either. But. That's. It's so. It's so funny. And I. That's... You feel so sorry for the fighters. But like. You d- you don't in a way because they've just been flown to New York and put up in the lap of luxury for a night or two to attend a press conference look good and get a first row view of that that escapade that went on the other day it was um, oh, I felt bad for somebody else and I can't think of what it was at all either way it was thoroughly enjoyable it did its job interest yeah. levels are rising for UFC 205 flights yeah. are booked bags are packed Everybody and their mother is texting that distant cousin that lives in New York to see if they live anywhere near the Madison Square Garden. And Sean, I have hit the jackpot. Have you? Did you get your credentials? Oh, no, I didn't get... I saw some people got their credentials, but they're not supposed to be out until the 14th. So I don't know what that was about. But, um, no, my friends live... Recently moved into an apartment three blocks away from Madison Square Garden. Sweet. Sweet. Not too bad. So... before we were going to obviously talk about that McGregor versus Alvarez fight a lot as the weeks come up, so there's no point doing it now. But I think it's a good time now to look at where their two divisions lie. And I suppose we'll start at, at uh, Featherweight because of what happened this week after the press conference. Basically, you mean traffic jam weight, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's been held up, it's been, it's been held up so much by, by this the devious Conor McGregor holding up this, this whole uh, weight class, but um. About four seconds after the press conference ended, there was an article up in MMAfighting.com where um, Jose Aldo had retired from the sport, basically said he wasn't fighting, didn't come out, said he's going to take uh, UFC to court and all this. And I'm not I'm not sure why, really. He wants, to, he wants to rematch with Conor McGregor. If Conor McGregor doesn't want to fight him, how is he going to get the rematch? So, like, I, it's fine, you know. He obviously, I respect that he wants it. And... That he's he's trying to get it, and he's looking at he's looking at it as in McGregor got chucked out by Diaz in the second round, and he got a rematch. And I was the champion for nine years, and I got you know flash KO'd quick, and I don't get a rematch. And he's like, "How is that fair?" <laughs> but the world isn't fair, you know, especially when you're a champion that didn't really draw for years. And the guy you want to rematch is the biggest draw in the history of the sport, which is this is not. This is not me being biased now. This is just a fact. Like that's that, that's just what it is. You, you know, if you're on a meritorious standpoint, of course, Jose Aldo deserves a rematch. He should have got an immediate rematch. But things don't work that way. This is we we say it all the time. This is entertainment as well as sport. This is a money making 
Venture as well, especially. These are guys who are prize fighters. Conor McGregor, the amount of money he made out of those two Diaz fights is probably more than five Jose Aldo fights. You know, he, he's fighting now for, for the second belt, going to make a lot more money again fighting in Madison Square Garden. I'm, I like Conor McGregor said it after that first Jose Aldo fight that he felt a little bit sorry for him. He felt that he deserved the rematch as well and things like that. Now he's changed a little bit since that and he's saying that, um, you know, that he knocked Aldo out and it's hard to get, maybe not hard to get motivated, but hard to sell that rematch or, or just hard to take that rematch again when there's other options out there. So look, from both sides, it's it's easy to understand that from McGregor, as I, as I just said there, knocked him out early. For Aldo, he wants McGregor and nothing else. He's beaten everyone else in that division. Like, people talk about Frank Edgar. Uh, Jose Aldo destroyed him twice, to be honest. I know there were d- decisions, but there were, uh, you know, easy wins on both uh, on both occasions but it's a tough one really and the thing about McGregor holding up the division he's not, he's just not holding up the division I don't know how more to put it they made an interim belt fair, look fair enough we've talked about interim belts before interim belts are not the same as normal belt but the fact that McGregor is gone from the division he'll probably never be back means that they can just that this belt is basically the interim belt, is basically the real belt because there's guys fighting for it anyway. Like for Edgar and Edgar and Aldo fought for it. They're the two best guys in the division. They fought while McGregor was gone. So how is that the division being held up when the two best guys fought? Now you can make Jose Aldo against Max Holloway if Aldo wanted to fight. If you know if he wasn't after uh, after McGregor, how is that held up? How how is McGregor holding it up? Look, people will say uh, it's because it doesn't mean anything because it's an interim title. Nothing means anything because what if McGregor? Okay, look, f- fair enough. That, that's grand. If you believe that, right? They fought for five weeks ago, and in five weeks' time, Conor McGregor is going to fight a UFC two hundred five. After that, th- there's nothing. There's nowhere he can go. L- literally, nowhere he can go apart from either fight at lightweight and give up the forty five belt. Or if maybe if he loses, or if even if he just wants to fight Aldo, he can go down to forty five and fight there. So in five weeks' time, everything is going to happen. This isn't been, you know, it's not being held up forever. And I think another thing that people are are uh, failing to kind of see is that this is a super fight and it's a champion versus champion. And I think it's okay to, even if you are holding up a division or whatever. And if there was no interim belt, I'd be I'd, uh, okay. Maybe he fought Diaz twice, but. This is this is a different kind of situation. The the fact that it's um it's a champion versus champion. It's a super fight. This is the thing we all want to see. This is people are giving out for years and years about Anderson Silva and GSP never fighting, but now we're getting one of those uh, one of those super fights. And I know there's this thing. Oh, he's never defended his belt and all. Yeah, fair enough. He hasn't. But do we re- like? Do we really care? Honestly, like people are people are more bothered about these arbitrary rules than great fights. Like, imagine if, I don't know, Cub Swanson or Ricardo Lamas was the next challenger at featherweight and then Conor McGregor at Habib at, at lightweight. Who would you want him to fight? Would you want, oh, he has to defend his belt against the next challenger or would you rather him fight Habib exactly. in a great fight or Don Cerrone? Like, Can I okay, throw one thing at you on. very quickly? What if Conor McGregor had a comprehensively beaten Aldo before stopping him in the third round or the fourth round? It's because of the manner of how the first fight went that people are annoyed that he's holding up the division. I think it's, it's solely down to that. Because the way that the landscape of the division has materialised since then, Aldo isn't taking the fight that he should be taking, which is Max Holloway. 
if you're this motivated, like Brett Okamoto had something on Twitter, yeah. which I think the narrative that Aldo needs to adopt is to become completely crazy. Aldo should just have said nothing. He should have fought Holloway or fought somebody or stayed on the sidelines and done nothing. He should have let Conor McGregor fight Eddie Alvarez without saying a peep. And then he should have that night through whatever immediate interviews that he wants to release afterwards, pre-planned or otherwise, say that Conor McGregor, you've ran from me for so long. You're not, you're too afraid to fight me at 145. I'm coming to 155 and I want my first shot. That way Aldo skips the queue, gets to fight McGregor at 155 for a title and gets the biggest payday of his career. What he should have done is called out Habib. After Habib that had would the be title a tournament. phenomenal fight. Fight Habib, right? You beat Habib, then you're the number one contender at 155, and you're the interim champion at 145. There's literally nowhere else Conor McGregor can go but fight you. Literally nowhere else. He has bad advice. I, look, I don't know. This is. If like, uh, and you you made a great point. Like, if you're mad about it, if you that's all you want is Conor McGregor, yeah, demonic. I need to right the wrong that has crippled my life for the last year. <laughs> I was not, untouchable, yeah. and we're not saying he should have to be that way. I think he should get the rematch. Like, but it's not. It's just not that easy. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> he completely deserves a rematch. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but money's money, and money this is, money. is an unprecedented era for the UFC. Like, look, let's be honest. Gordon Ramsay and Anthony Kiedis are going to be in the UFC executive offices now <laughs> plotting over what to do with Conor McGregor's next fight, you know, because these guys are calling the shots now in the in the company. Yeah. Like, if you're that those... Was, allies, sorry, I, a reference to anyone that didn't get that. A lot of uh, famous people invested in the UFC during yeah. the week. We'll, we'll talk, talk about it later. I think... A huge thing for Aldo, and I mentioned on Twitter, is it was bad timing because as we were just talking about there, like... It would have been perfect timing to call out Habib. Or it would have been perfect timing to say, give me Max Holloway and you can fight no one else but come down here. And then if he doesn't come down, you either forget about it and you're the, you're the cha- real champion at 145 or you go up to 155 then. But it's, it was just a weird time because it, there, it were five weeks away from it, from Conor McGregor fighting. And then things are going to change. Like it, it, we because And people saying, oh... It's not. It's just going to be the same again because he said that after the first DS fight and the second DS fight. Well, the first DS fight was supposed to be a super fight where he fought Dos Anjos, which he's actually having now. And the second DS fight was because he lost the first DS fight and he wanted to get it back. So, you know, it's it's kind of he's working his way back to where he was a year ago. So that's weird. Now, fair enough. If you're in the mind that uh, Conor McGregor should have relinquished his belt, I, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't really disagree with that, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I think he's all right still having it. But if they had taken the belt off him six months ago, I don't think anyone could have been mad about it. Or three months ago, whenever it was, he, he fought last. I don't think he could have been too mad. I don't think anyone could have been too mad about it. But the fact is they made an interim belt instead of doing that. So it's, as Frank Yeager said at the time, if before the Jose Aldo fight, if I win this belt, I'm the real champion because McGregor's never coming down again. And I think that's the way you kind of have to look at it. Because it's either the real belt, because he never comes down again, or else whoever holds that belt will be fighting him when he comes down in five weeks' time. So exactly. It's, 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 it's only going to be held up for five weeks more if you think it's held up. One more thing that I'll throw back here. It's yeah. completely for aesthetic purposes. For? Or for? Okay. What? Yeah, what do the no. belt mean? Yeah, two belts. Do you know what I mean? Connor wants two belts. 
and has since the very, very start. Oh, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Since he came into the UFC, he's been gunning for the two belts. I need to ask you a question. Is there a new feature on Twitter that you can search back through people's posts or have people just been going back through old posts? People have just been going back. Yeah, because you bumped up one of mine a while ago. But Connor in 2013, said... January 13, I had stopped Eddie Alvarez in the first round, yeah. and it's got thousands of retweets since. The that I literally just uh, completely forgot about that. I wanted to bring it up earlier. When it comes down to it, do you think that the outrage from people will be more? Let's say it goes to plan. Connor takes both titles, and he drops the featherweight title. People yeah. will just be like, why didn't you do this, blah, 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 when you had no intention of going back. And they're not going to see the point that he's doing this to leave a legacy. He's doing this, he's always said it, get in, make as much money as possible, and get out. This is the way that he's going to make as much money as possible. This is the way that his name will forever be mentioned with the UFC. The first two-divisional champion. Do you know what I mean? George St. Pierre couldn't do it. Oh no, who was it? BJ Penn couldn't do it. One of the greatest fighters to have ever lived. And now Conor McGregor can potentially surpass that. Do you know, this is this is big, big stuff. This isn't just poor... Ho- like, and even then, Sean, I believe if my maths are correct on this, Conor McGregor would have to go till after Super Bowl the weekend without defending his 145-pound belt to match Aldo's level of inactivity as champion. So what if Conor McGregor I, was yeah. just injured during this time? Do you know people are annoyed I don't, I don't buy that though I understand what people are saying in, in fairness but it's didn't uh, an interim belt okay they made it for McGregor against Mendes but this is the definition of why an interim belt should be made like <laughs> because McGregor after McGregor took the second Diaz fight it made perfect sense to have an interim belt in and especially with the fact that you know John Kavanaugh has said it I think he said it Jeremy Bonner after one fight said McGregor's neck never make him 145 again like uh, I think it makes perfect sense to have an interval. But your thing on making history, I think that's that's very true. That's exactly what he wants. And I think once he has the two belts, he'll, he, you know, he won't care. He won't care about giving up, uh, giving up one of them. I think. Or but, yeah. he goes possessed, Wonder and why. then deliberately holds up both divisions <laughs> by trying to fight. His next fight at 145. Yeah, that could happen. taking the time to get back down to 145 and leaving the 55-pound belt on the shelf for six months and then takes a fight at 55, do you know, and alternates between the two. He's in such a perilous position because 45 is such a hard way for him to get to. He couldn't be as active, maybe, as you'd think if he was going to dual-wheel both belts. But I don't see a scenario or situation where Conor holds on to the 45-pound belt. Because realistically, Sean, I think yeah. we're looking at less than five Conor McGregor fights in the UFC before he retires. I don't. Uh, just one thing. About a year ago, we had this exact same conversation about McGregor fighting for both belts, and you know, defending the lightweight and the, the featherweight belt when he was just about to fight RDA. And I said at the time, that's not realistic because he's either going to lose... Oh, yeah. Or he's going to get injured. And then he lost, you know. there's, It's just not It's not feasible to do that. Maybe he can do it once or twice, but, you know. And even if he did, then, you know, say if he beats Alvarez and then he fights Aldo, you know, that's... I don't think that's going to happen, but that'd be that'd be a bit mad, wouldn't it? But um, what about Habib? 
did you feel sorry for Habib not getting a lightweight title shot? Well, you can't feel sorry for Habib and then make, oh, Aldo, you should step aside, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're both in the exact same situation, I feel. Oh, no, actually, Aldo's been wronged more than Khabib. Yeah, 100%. Do you know what I mean? Khabib is pulling, I think he's lost a lot of, a lot of, I don't want to say his stature recently, but you've beaten very little ranked guys. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that Khabib isn't great. You've decisioned most of your guys in the UFC. A, a, a short notice comeback against an unranked guy just because you were promised a title shot in a different era of the sport doesn't mean you come back and be, like he's trying to Tyron Woodley it. Tyron or Tyrone. It's even worse than Tyron Woodley. No, Tyron. It, it really is. Do you know? Yeah. And like for someone who is as good as Khabib is, I think he's. When if you're talking about wrong advisors or maybe not people people not being there to like take his social media away from him, do you know what I mean? The stuff that he's putting out is like the same way Eddie Alvarez said Conor McGregor sucks at that press conference. That's not true. Fair enough, you can think you're gonna beat him. Fair enough, you can think that you're better than him. But to say somebody sucks just loses the credibility of your argument. Do you know? And I think Khabib has lost credibility in his argument, being like, oh. They promised me this and I have bad agreements and they're both scared to fight me. It's like, they're not. Eddie Alvarez nor Conor McGregor would make nearly anywhere near as much money by fighting you as they would by fighting each other. So until you become either, like, when it comes to the top of divisions and when it comes pretty much to Conor McGregor fights, it's not, are you the rightful challenger? Are you next in line? Are you the deserved guy getting a shot at the crown? You're, are you going to make the UFC and Conor the most money? Conor McGregor would fight a goat in the cage if he had to for the most money. Do you, you know what I mean? Ronaldo. No, but he would, like, Conor McGregor would have a, I don't know, time of the year that it is, Sean. I just got a load of them from the park about 20 minutes ago. Conkers. He'd mm. have a Conkers match with somebody in the octagon if it would pay more than fighting Eddie Alvarez. Do you know, that's this, what you need yeah. to get to realise. Like, There's two things that have be, right? But you're a big Khabib fan, so give, me, big, your, give me your opinion. I'm, I'm a interested. big Khabib fan, but people are acting like him being out injured for two years doesn't make a difference. Yeah, of course, of course it does. Hmm. Okay, he's he'd beaten our RDA and stuff before that. That all matters. He's still he's not far away. He's if he'd fought Tony Ferguson back that time when he was supposed to and beaten him, I'd be a hundred percent. He deserves that title shot. He's been robbed of a title shot, but not now. <laughs> you know, he beat Darren Archer, and it's the only one he's beaten in two years. And okay, I, I've said it. I, he's He's beaten lots of good guys before that. De- definitely, like twenty, what twenty-one and or whatever. He's definitely up there. But I, if he beats Michael Johnson, definitely okay, deserves a title shot. But now at this very moment, he's not being robbed of one. I don't think. I think there's. I think there's no harm him getting in there, beating another guy, and then getting title shot. Even, even if McGregor wasn't, you know, if it was someone else getting in front of him, I don't think he'd be. Uh, say if it was Tony Ferguson or. Whoever else might Cerrone or whoever else might be there, you know, I don't think he'd be getting robbed. Uh, but the second thing is, he has been used and abused in this. Oh yeah, he was. He was <laughs> like he was offered a bout agreement two, with two no intention of yeah. the UFC None at all. It, like. None. If I was Habib even Magomedov, and I, the second I saw Conor McGregor versus uh, Eddie Alvarez, I would have been on the phone sacking my manager uh, straight away immediately. Like, why would they even present you with two? 
t- about agreements like that when you're just being used, clearly being used and abused. They put them up on Twitter. Like, that's just embarrassing. Why would you... That's... It's bad on the UFC. It's... Okay, Habib, look, he was trying to exert a bit of uh, his own leverage, which is which is fine, which Jose Aldo also did. But f- for him to be used like that, if your management, as you, you like, there's plenty, we've talked about his management plenty of times before in this podcast, how he should have sacked him for. And I, I don't know how they're still working for him, to be honest. It, it's actually mad. And just one point is well on Aldo using leverage. You know, he, he's retiring. He said he's going to take him to court and all. He's trying to exert his leverage. But uh, how much leverage does Jose Aldo actually have? It's look a at Brazilian it. Look at the Brazilian thing, Sean. It's it's Brazilians are programmed so weird, man. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. And like, and I'm like, my coach is Brazilian. I'm not saying this like trying to be disrespecting. I've been in Brazil. I've seen how all of these people operate. He needs to chill. He still has the potential to make the biggest money ever in his career from a McGregor fight. Just do it right. It's so close. It's there for you. You're his next fight, no matter what. I feel. McGregor Aldo too is happening after this fight at one fifty five if Aldo plays his cards right. Yeah, but look, Aldo as much as Habib has no leverage because what does Habib really offer? Like he's a, he's a great fighter, but in, in terms of leverage and money, he doesn't offer much. Habib, Jose Aldo is kind of the same. Like he's he's big in Brazil, but he's not huge in Brazil. You know, he's not Vitor, he's not Anderson, he's not he's not big in America. You know, he 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 never well he. He doesn't speak English in front of cameras and stuff anywhere. Doesn't I don't know how well he speaks. We've heard him speak before, but I, I don't know how well he speaks. He chooses not to to speak it if he can speak it. You know it, these things don't help him. He's not a big draw. He's not a fan fan favorite. Apart from you know the casual fans, I think like Jose Aldo's one of those guys who everyone likes as a fighter, but he's no one's favorite fighter. Do you know what I mean? Like he's not, he's not, you know, Habib is a lot of people's favorite fighter or, you know, McGregor or Wonderboy or, you know, Chris Weidman or like even guys like that. Jose Aldo doesn't have that. Even though he's, for me, I think he's, uh, with my mouse, he's the pound for pound best fighter in the world. And he, he just doesn't have that, which is, look, it's unfortunate, but it's just the reality of it, to, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I, I hope it works out for him, but I have a feeling uh, that it won't. Very much so. Before we, this I'm just saying this is a statement. You don't need to reply. The one good thing that happened about Habib is that he took a fight against Michael Johnson, and that yeah. he's taken it because if Tony Ferguson had a spark to Sanyos in his next fight, then Tony Ferguson would be getting the next shot at the 155 pound belt. Because mm-hmm. you can't. It's like leaving your job for two years, coming back and expecting to be on the same pay, the same position, and up for the next promotion. Do you know? It's just like well, actually. We got someone in here in those two years that's been doing great work for us since then. And we can't really trust you staying fit. Why can we book Habib for a title shot if we don't know if he's going to make it? Do you know? He should be fighting. He should fight now. Prove that he can make it. Prove that he's as dominant as he was against a guy who is riding a good hot streak. Let's go for it. Makes perfect sense. Proper decision making there. Boom. Boom. So that's about it for this week's The Advertising Podcast. <laughs> Head on over to... <laughs> Excellent. Sean, this past weekend, the UFC touched down in Portland, Oregon. The biggest... Oh, Glenn. It's okay, buddy. Sorry, I was just singing a bit of T.I. there. Oh, excellent. I was going to say the biggest uh, the biggest martial arts event since Chael Sonnen's Submission Underground in <laughs> Portland a while ago. 
good enough card from what I saw of it, unfortunately. You tell me the fights to watch, that's the way we do it. I have done a sickening amount of work this past weekend. I'm going to fall, well, no, sorry, I'm going to correct myself. After 7 o'clock, once I've sent the edited podcast off to Mr. Severe MMA. Before 7 o'clock. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, well, before 7 at the latest. Yeah. That, is, more like. <laughs> that is when I will uh, finally hit the hay, because I am absolutely shattered. But, are we starting at the top, or are we starting at the bottom? Uh, because there's, like? there's one at the bottom, right? Go because on. this... Is an app nickname, okay? Whatever about East meets West. We were making that funny joke last week. Curtis Blades literally has blades in his elbows. He does. That was that was my joke that I was kind of making for. Do you know? And look, I know that you told me to watch. uh, What was it? The Ion. Yeah. How do you pronounce his name? The Laba. So I actually thought, I didn't check back on the message, and I thought you meant Curtis Blades. And I watched the Blades fight thinking, Sean was right, maybe this guy is a bit of a prospect. Do you know? Using good jabs, using good one-twos, level changes straight into takedowns. Beautiful elbows to the side of the head. A ridiculous stoppage from the referee, by the way. I think there was maybe 11 elbows to the side of the head, and it was just a bad, bad stoppage at the time. But, um... That was my take on it, but you, you, you seem to think that there's a light heavyweight brewing amongst nothing here. Well, there's a man who's coming for the stars. I'm not putting words in your mouth, Sean, but you said he's going to be the best light heavyweight ever. Oh, my God. He's, you know, just on Curtis Blades, as, as Patrick once famously called him in a, in a preview he recorded for me. He, my boy, Francis Ingano, beat him in his last fight. Yeah, so there you go. But yeah, Ian Kutilaba is the light heavyweight, which Andrew just spoke about there. I thought he was good. thought he was definitely worth, worth mentioning. His last fight was against Misha Surkinov, and he lost that in a good fight as well. I think Surkinov is another one of those guys who who's really good. But um, he... he this that's his second fight in, in the UFC you now. He beat Jonathan Wilson by unanimous decision. I think he's from uh, Moldova. He's only 22... With, what is he? I think he's like 12 and 1, 12, I think he's 12 and 2 now or something like that. But I was very, very impressed with him. Um, especially at a weight where, you know, classes at a premium, where prospects are at a premium, light heavyweight and heavyweight. I think he could actually maybe fight at middleweight as well. He looks a little bit small for light heavyweight, but he, he's doing well there at the minute. Jonathan Wilson didn't actually look too bad either. He's obviously not at the same level, but I think Kutabella is just, or, you know, we've not made her say, just, just definitely one to watch. He fights in, in a very odd manner for light heavyweight. He throws, he throws, at, a, at an output like a lightweight you know he I, I mentioned on Saturday night he throws like someone he, he fights like someone who picks up the, the PS4 UFC game for the first time and starts playing it he just throws everything throws spinning back fists all the time throw, just throws everything in his arsenal all the time non-stop and I think that's a good style for light heavyweight to be honest because a lot of a lot of guys in light heavyweight they tend to be you know Tough wrestlers with a big shot who maybe are, you know, a little bit undersized heavyweights and stuff like that. But I think he is, he's he's pretty well well uh, he's pretty well rounded and stuff like that. So one one to look out for. As long as we don't get as excited of it as we did of the of the Carlos Vimola light heavyweight debut from two thousand and ten when he mm. TKO'd Seth Petrozelli and thought he was the second coming of the light heavyweight division. But I digress. We'll uh, we'll definitely not get into that. That was probably one of my worst calls. In history. <laughs> um, so yeah, further up the card. Talk yeah. about taking your chance. 
making your name. Climb the ladder, kid. Make yourself famous on Fox Sports 1 in the opening bet against Luis Smolka. But it's on a slightly lesser scale than Jeff Hardy, but Brandon Moreno. Was that, tell me, tell me now, was that a Marcelo team that he got him on? So, I loved this fight. Just, it was That's so great. quick, it was in and out, but I loved his fucking doggedness on that yeah, guillotine. He, he just went for it, didn't that, he? That, like, as Dave Fogarty, Yogurty Dave Fogarty pointed out, and it's something that I've had an issue with, with mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu for a long time. I wish you could just take certain fighters. Louis Smolka is, the, is not one of these fighters that I'm talking about by the way because he has outstanding grappling take a fighter out from mixed martial arts put him in the gi and make him train jiu-jitsu five days a week for the next year it's not going to be more strenuous than mixed martial arts training if anything it will be less and get them to learn some proper jiu-jitsu do you know Brandon Moreno is definitely a guy I'm going to go out on the limb here that trains in the gi and trains actively in jiu-jitsu. You do not see those details and finishes from regular mixed martial artists that just train jiu-jitsu in case a fight goes to the ground or to know it as an area of mixed martial arts. It was a high elbow guillotine. It looked absolutely sickening. I don't know how Smolka held on as long as he did. He transitioned to the mount beautifully off it. For those that didn't see it, Louis Smolka came up was doing was doing great off his back, was staying safe, was threatened, with, like had a great flexible guard. Moreno was looking for the double unders pass at one time, which you don't really see in mixed martial arts to begin with. So when I saw him going for double unders, I was thinking, ah, oh, this guy's a jiu-jitsu guy. You know, this guy has a bit of jiu-jitsu in him. Louis Smolka ended up coming up, I believe, on the single leg and left his head on the outside. Number one rule, you do not leave your head on the outside especially, this maybe was Smolka taking uh, Brandon for granted, maybe not knowing he'd put it on him. But once he got that space and the arm got under the neck, Sean, guillotines, all he needs is the hand under the chin. And all he needs is to be gripping anywhere with his other hand onto his glove. Do you know? And he had it even tighter. I would imagine he had a reverse gable grip on his hand, which is a hard enough one to explain. But it give him the ability to put his elbow, try touch his elbows together. So if you can just imagine what that would yeah. look like and feel like on someone's throat. And he followed it the whole way through. Followed it to mount, followed it to get the finish when he came onto his back. And you saw the, like, my goodness, the elation in him in the cage afterwards. It was like, that's the face of a guy who got jumped in a street and was able to finally use jiu-jitsu to defend himself. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, how did this work? I can't believe that what I've just spent my life doing has just worked. Like that, like I've had that, um, I've had that stuff in work. I've had it in the gym where you're like against bigger guys. It's like, oh my God, this stuff actually works. Do you know? And that's exactly what that was for him the other night. What a performance. If they fought again, good chance Louis Smolka would tool him up. Do you know? I don't know. Uh, I think I think Lewis Smolka, he's one of those guys. He lives by the sword and he dies by the sword. Samurai. And That's why he's called the Samurai, Sean. He's very open. <laughs> as, you, you, you obviously are a lot better. As a jiu-jitsu player, like we see fights, the fight against Siri, the fight against the um, Petty Hula, and all these fights. His last fight against Ben Wynn. 
he I, that's why I really like him. I think he's a really good fighter, and yeah. I, it's he's so good at it. But when you come up against a guy who's a submission artist like Brandon Marino, I tweeted before the fight actually, he's won five of his last six by by submission. If you come up against a real submission artist like that, and you leave yourself that open, that's going to be very dangerous. Now I think Lewis Molka's jiu-jitsu is very very good, and he'll win. Um, most fights against against most people, but when you come up against someone like that, it's, it's very dangerous. I think you know, it kind of reminded me of you know that dickhead who like poked you in the eyes and stuff, and you you stuck your leg out there, give him a chance to take you down and stuff. Lewis Malka feels like he fights that way all the time. You know, he's putting stuff out there so people will try things so he can get something off of it. You know, it's it's. It's very, very, very dangerous to fight that way. It's very exciting to fight that way. He's probably the most exciting ground fighter in all of the UFC. And I still think he's a very, very good fighter. As you said there, if they fought again, if he kept it standing, I think he would he would beat him. Um, on the ground, Moreno is very good, though. Yeah, he's a very, very good submission artist, and he could always catch him. But I think Lewis Smolka could probably catch him, too. Uh, it was just one of those fights. When it's, it's one of those fights that... It's why we love MMA. You know, this guy can come in from nowhere and beat what I think is probably the, at the moment anyway the second best for a flyweight fighter um, in the world well he's definitely I think he's uh, I said it on Saturday I still think he's the best fighter who isn't named Demetrius Johnson or who hasn't been beaten by Demetrius Johnson uh, at flyweight and you know he's obviously maybe this is a good time to lose a fight because he's uh, at least time to build himself back up with uh, Demetrius Johnson on the shelf for a little while so um, you know, it's it's. I am it, absolutely it, scouring yeah. the internet right now to oh, well. see if Brando Moreno had won any big jujitsu tournaments. He's ranked seven hundred and something at blue belt in the world. He's a blue belt. He's only a blue belt. Jesus, get in there, Andrew. Come on, you take out Lewis Walker next fight. No, not I think I believe he's only a blue belt. So I'm looking <laughs> at it here. He did the 2015 IBJJF Nogi World Championships. Blue, adult male, light feather. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. is crazy. That was last year. A year ago, he was competing at the Blue Belt Worlds. And then he goes and subs Luis. Like, that's what yeah. I mean. That's what I meant about maybe he wouldn't do it again, Sean. Because his elation in the cage was like... Holy shit, that just happened. How did that happen? I was I was coming in here thinking I was going to lose this fight and I just tapped Louis Smolka. Holy shit, my jiu-jitsu is actually good. I believe in myself. I'm actually good at what I do. Blah, 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 blah. That's exactly the reaction he had. It was beautiful to see. Here, Brandon Scotch, give me his fucking purple belt. Jesus, come on. Yes, Sam. Uh, well, he may have got his purple since then. Maybe. Okay, let's get to these two fights quickly because we have a lot still to discuss. Um, Alex Oliveira against Will Brooks. Will Brooks got hit with a knee in the clinch early in the first round, broke his rib, and he couldn't really fight much after that, to be honest. Now, there's a little bit of... Should his corner have pulled him out? I think this corner could have pulled him out, he was, especially between the second and third round, because that second round he did, you know, he could do nothing in that round. Um, it was still, it was still not even, it was still kind of close though. But Oliveira, uh, I think he kind of destroyed him against the fence and in the clinch. Will Brooks, I thought Will Brooks was going to look better in this fight. He just, he just didn't. He didn't look great. Um, there's a little bit of afters after the fight. Where uh, Alex Oliveira, so, oh, someone, a Brazilian person was saying, um, Will Brooks call him a motherfucker sometime, and Brazilians hate that. That it's they think it's like calling their mother a whore or something, and they really don't like it. Um, so Alex Oliveira kind of went, 
gave it back to him. Will Brooks um, threw his mouthpiece at him and stuff. People were giving out because Oliveira missed weight, and that's fair enough. But I just think that uh, this is a fight between two guys with their hands in a cage. That are charged. <laughs> yeah, come on, lads. Trying to just de- decapitate each other. Everyone Very doesn't have to be friends. You know. Sorry, Sean. Yeah. I agree with you, okay? But Daniel Cormier on the commentary box, oh, I think, just had a little bit of a flashback to when he got told to suck it in the octagon <laughs> yeah, exactly. after a loss as well. Like He went full tilt on Oliviera, being like, that's disgraceful, blah, blah, blah. You missed weight. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. All the while, in the back of my mind, it was just a Daniel Cormier crying meme when John Jones just crotch-chopped <laughs> him after he schooled him. Like. And a Daniel Cormier shoe coming flying through the air. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, unprofessional, Alex. Oh, yeah, of course. What did, what did you think of Cormier's commentary? Um, I wasn't too fond of it, to be honest. And I think I would have loved it if we had heard him before, Dominic Cruz. Yeah, that's but I, I think the fact that we were treated to Dominic Cruz the week previously just was like... Cormier had like nearly set things that he wanted to say at certain times. Um, there was two fights where I think it was in both of them actually, the Lineker and the Dodson one and the co-main event where the guys were on the back near the cage and he was like, he needs to do this to get him off the cage. Give the exact same technical advice and it was like, they're, they're called crutches in the, in the broadcasting world, Sean. Used by as, ands, theirs, maybes. But also common experiences that people have had. Don't be telling people about them because they'll fucking listen to us doing them then. Yes, of course. By the way, Sean, have I mentioned I do jujitsu? No, no, you don't really <laughs> do it. Yeah. Here, just a thing on Carmia. Um, I think Carmia is not a guy like Kenny Florian, who are are like Michael Owen, who I never ever want to hear and doing commentary again. I thought he wasn't great, but I'd like to see him get another chance. As you said, he, I thought he was a little bit nervous and he got a little bit flustered a couple of times, but. I didn't hate him. I didn't hate him. I thought he was. I thought it was not good, <laughs> but I I wouldn't mind hearing him again. I wouldn't mind giving him another chance. And I thought he was good in that that John Jones fight that he did a while back. Was it OSP? Uh, he wasn't. Ter- he wasn't terrible. I I wouldn't mind seeing him get another chance. Uh, as you said, um, Dominic coming a week after Dominic Cruz is just bad timing for him because Dominic Cruz. Like, if you were to rank commentators, I think Dominic Cruz is number one. I think Joe Rogan, number two. Brian Stan, number three. And and Dan Hardy. Well, Dan Hardy's up there as well. I think I put Dan Hardy and Stan on the side. I like both of them. Really. I, like, I like them all, I, well, apart from Florian. I like. I think they're all really great, to be honest. I, I have no problem. Everybody's a winner in Sean <laughs> Sheehan's eyes. I think they're all great. I, I love, like, if you have Dan Hardy and Mike Allberg or Dan Hardy and John Ennick on, on the commentary for a pay-per-view, I would have no problem with that. And you can't say that for most sports. I think some of the, like, the undercard guys, you know, they have one good guy and then the rest of them are crap. But I think the UFC have a lot of good guys. So there you go. We talk about the the main event. Just say how unlucky for Will Brooks. He was hurt in that fight. He was on on route to winning it. Um, Fair stoppage. I think he just literally couldn't get up from the position that he was in. He was grimacing in pain on his back. I don't think it's a loss that's going to lose too much stature for him or or Paul. I still think he'll get a good high-level opponent for his next fight. And um, I just, I enjoyed the fight. He's the 155 Phil Davis of the UFC. That's actually a good shout. He, that's a that's a very very. That's good all shot. I was thinking when I was watching it, like up against the cage. He needs to sweat same a Same frame. Um, the one thing I did like was his back control. He was up on the back and he was using interesting hooks. And I was. I mean, did you yeah. do you think he fell off because of his rib? Um, I'm not too sure to be honest. 
it was a, like yeah because i didn't know what side it was i think it may have actually been the side that he ended up falling off on yeah but there was a couple of times i thought he was really close to finishing there a naked choke like it was yeah. outstanding defense from cowboy <laughs> did you see cowboy pulled his pulled the, the hand off yeah, with his glove as well yeah exactly so he that's was true. being a bit of a scumbag like you know that's what saved him but it was an enjoyable fight, but I don't think anywhere near as enjoyable to what we were treated to in the main event. Pro- possibly surpassed their expectations from last week's podcast. I'm not too sure. Maybe you had a better idea it was going to look like that. But for a fight that went five rounds and had so much action in it, don't crucify me for saying this, Sean. I thought it had large parts of inactivity in the first two to three rounds. It did, but I've I've no problem with that. I think... For, oh, yeah. it's, it's a 25 minute fight you don't yeah. want to see what happened in the last round and a half to happen in the first round and a half and then the rest of the fight to suffer yeah I think I've like I've no problem with inactivity and people running around the cage like that I just think it's part of fighting and I've I, like I can understand people getting frustrated with it maybe casual fans and stuff but I when I'm watching that I never ever think of something like that. I just think of what's happening at the time. It's not until I see people tweeting about it afterwards that I even it even comes into my mind. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought it was a good fight. I thought it'd go exactly like this, except I thought it'd finish earlier. I thought it'd finish in the, maybe the second or third round. Um, I didn't think it'd, it'd go all five because I think both guys have um, have big power. On it, but I think the chins on both of them were unbelievable. Like John well, Lineker gone after that fight. <laughs> John Lineker took huge head kicks to the to the head obviously uh, and he took a lot of big shots from from Dodson as well Dodson took big shots as well from Lineker but I think I think it was a very even fight I don't think there was any unrobbed the scoring it at the time I think the first three rounds I think everyone agrees with I think Dodson won the first uh, Lineker won the second and third and I think it's the fourth and fifth that people are disagreeing on and I think most people disagree with me I I scored the fourth for Lineker I think most people scored it for Dodson I scored the fifth for Lineker no I scored the, 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 I scored the fourth for Dodson and the fifth for Lineker and I think most people scored it the other way so most people scored the fifth for Dodson and the fourth for Lineker so I thought for me I thought um, Dodson didn't land as that much in the fourth but what he did land was were hard shots and Dodson was throwing a lot of output. He's missing with everything, and and Lineker was landing that big shot in the fifth. It was a little bit the same, but Lineker wasn't landing as much, and Do- um, or no, sorry, Dodson wasn't landing as much, and Lineker landed these four or five big hooks against the gate. And I think that one was enough to win yeah. him the, the round, to be honest, and, and to win him the fight. How did you score it? I had it three to two for Lineker, yeah. similar to what you're saying. But I thought if Dodson had been more aggressive on the back instead of just being like, what, I'm on his back. And then he like let go of himself to stay standing. I think there was a real potential for him to finish the round from a, the round from a strong grappling point of view in a submission attempt that could have swung that last round for him. Have, yeah. I think that um, in the fourth and fifth round, as Dodson was slowing down, because he was undoubtedly, his shot selection was becoming better. But it was because he was getting slower that Lineker was able to land with the bigger shots that convinced me that he's taken this fight. And I think may have influenced the judges as well. There was an absolutely beautiful switch kick. Or like, he switched his stances. And I think it was a straight left right down the middle. That stunned Lineker. Do you know? And it was just coming like around the time when Dodson started really calculating his shots. And he was landing, but as we're saying, he was landing and then Lineker was throwing volume. Lineker was holding R1 and punching for the entire fight. Let's yeah. be honest. 
power shot city and he did catch like I actually do agree with the commentators as well. I think the, the low blow stoppage of Lineker actually helped Dodson because he had just connected with a beautiful left hook before that had happened. The output from Lineker was as expected. Very exciting fight. Dodson did very well not to fall into, to stick to his game plan. Yeah. And I think I would have loved to have seen him because he had a fa- he, he fainted to it and I think he would have fought better had he have used his wrestling earlier and later in the fight. Because there was two times that he just timed Lineker's shots perfectly and was underneath and didn't try follow through. Maybe it was a case of, I'm already tired. Do you know, it's easy for guys... In my opinion, it's easier for lighter guys who are tired to keep fighting at the output on their feet than it is to incorporate grappling. Because grappling tires you out more, especially as a lighter guy. So if you're trying to stay, if you can bounce on your feet, if you can move around, you can keep doing that because it's your natural rhythm. Do you know he's got great footwork? That was what was keeping him safe for the majority of the fight. And that turns into instinct. And then as you keep going, keep going, keep going, then you're perfect. But if he had have incorporated maybe more grappling and he was as his, What did he say in the corner, Sean? Was he tired or he tried? I don't know, actually. I, I thought did, he I said tired as well. I had picked up that he had said he was tired. He's like, I'm trying, but I'm tired. It was something like that. So I do think uh, that maybe would have limited. If they fought again, maybe Jackson's coming in with a different game plan, saying we need to wrestle with him more. Do you know, we'll, like, Lineker, yeah. whatever about people saying now he doesn't deserve a title shot, I believe this is like, fair enough, he's lax, lackadaisy on his, has been lackadaisy on his weight in the past, used to absolutely buckle himself to get down to 125, but this is his first time missing weight at 135, and I believe yeah. he was on weight earlier on in the week, and then just wasn't able to cut the last pound and a half. Yeah. Something had happened due to his, did his scale say he was under, I'm not too yeah, sure. Yeah, he said something like that, yeah. It's, yeah. Either way, reboot I think that fight for, for Belfast. Exactly. Here, just before we get to the UFC Manchester, two my two big takeaways from that were how good John Lineker is at cutting down the distance yes. and getting in and landing those shots because that's not easy to do. Against the cage, against the guy that's running everywhere, like Dodson is the hardest person in the division maybe to do that against. He did it well, apart from Dominic Cruz, obviously, and he did it very well. And I think Dodson, he is so close to being a great fighter, but. He just he's not there. As you said, adding more wrestling. He yes, adding more wrestling, but adding more offense, whether it's wrestling or whether it's striking. You have to add in more offense. You can't just counter everything. If Dodson had as you said wrestling, if he got one takedown more, if he had two or three more bursts forward where he landed combinations on Inaker, he would have won that fight. Like you can't win. You can win on countering long, but at the lower weights where there's so much output and where there, you know, especially against a guy like Lineker who hits so hard, it's a very, very dangerous game to play. And I don't think you can have, have any complaints about losing a decision when you fight like that. You, it's a great way of fighting. I have no problem with it. Don't get me wrong. I think it's, he could have won by a knockout like that. But if it's going to a decision and you've, like, when, if you think about it, when had, had Dodson any, um, what's the word? original offense if, if that's the correct word like all his offense came off of Lineker it was all countering he had no offense of his own like not once in the whole fight did he run forward not even run forward jab and then hook even even a one-two not, not once in the whole fight and I think if he'd done that even a couple of times if he could incorporate that into his game if he could use setups go for a take a fake a takedown and then come with an uppercut or something 
I think that would win him some money, many fights. I think that could that could win him a UFC belt if he could even incorporate something, not something huge, something simple like that into his game. The Sean Sheehan Analyst Service, ladies and gentlemen, available for a nominal fee of nine hundred euro a fight. Mm-hmm. He will extensively look up your opponents. He'll Dave Fogarty, I'm still waiting for that money. Yeah, by the way, Dave, <laughs> the Barry Hanna coup pulled off. He got you the victory. He talked yeah. you through it. Coach Sheehan. Coach yeah. Sheehan. Coming in. That's what we want. Any well, other listen, crack, no? Before we, get, before we get to UFC Mantra, what about Norman Park? He fought at the weekend. Yes, he fought ACB. in the SSE Hydro in Glasgow. Um, I had just gotten home from work. And I was getting ready to go out to work again. And I was sitting watching Norman Park. Patented blue shorts at this stage. He absolutely loves them. I thought it was a tough fight for Norman, to be honest. Maybe it's the cobwebs after the first UFC fight. He did get injured since leaving the UFC as well. I can imagine it's hard to rehab and get yourself back to full fitness when you haven't got the guaranteed prospect of coming back into the UFC so easy. And a very matured response from Norman Park in the last couple of days. He doesn't want to be on the UFC Belfast card. He feels like he isn't ready for it. That is... How many times have we said this, Sean? Guys get cut, they chase wins, and that's when it goes wrong. Now, fair enough, Norman has booked two fights in the month. He's fighting Decky Dalton at the end of the month in Drogheda. But I thought Andrew Fisher was a tough test for Norman coming out of the UFC. And he, he frustrated Norman massively. He was able to fend off a lot of the grappling. He outstruck Norman in large parts of the fight as well. But I think Norman had a more well-rounded collective game that was able to see out the decision for him. <clears throat> we were talking about this ourselves. I do think that Norman doesn't trust his hands. You know, there's just something about him that he only wants to strike when he's really within range or if he's on top. He loves the smothering style of wrestling and ground and pound and using that to pass your guard and then maybe finish it with strikes or you give up your back and get the sub. But I definitely think Norman, when you talk about guys that need to go focus on jiu-jitsu for a while, imagine if you put him in training with Michael Conlon every day or training with boxers every day for six months. I'd love to see that for Norman Park. I think he'd be better off focusing on jiu-jitsu. I think it'd go better with his game. Like, imagine if Norman Park was like a... Uh, like Brandon Marino when it got to the ground he would just get on your neck and strangle you that'd be brilliant because he's I think he's a very good and he has the wrestling base as well he's a very good wrestler very good takedowns good at putting guys up against the fence and grinding them out Uh, as you said like it's just I think there's an X factor missing to make him you know to make him a, a UFC stalwart, you know, he's. I think Norman's good enough to fight in the UFC again, and he did well when he was there. But, to, you know, he was talking when he got into the UFC uh, about. Remember, he, I think he got booked with Diego Sanchez once, didn't he? About getting into the top fifteen. I think there's just that little thing missing, and I think it could come. It could still come. Um, you know, if he can. I think it might be a little bit of a confidence thing as well. If Norman Park was, say, if he went and got a couple of submissions now, or even got a couple of knockouts or whatever, I think that could build and build and build, and he could get more confident um, in in the, the finishing of his, part of his game. And, you know, it could it could make him a new fighter again. But this fight, I think he spoke to Steve from Severe afterwards. And, you know, it wasn't... It wasn't um, wasn't a great fight. It wasn't the greatest performance in Norman's career. But as you said, first fight, and as he said as well, first fight out of the UFC to get a win. We said it with Paul Redmond as well. Very important, more important than than uh, the um, 
more important than the performance itself. I think um, he, he's, he's fighting Decky Dalton and he, he doesn't like Decky Dalton very much, does he? he no, that interview a bit with, of bad blood. Steve, he didn't like him, so that should be a, an interesting fight up, up your way in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, yeah, it's it's it definitely be an interesting fight to to, um, to watch now. If he can get the finish there, you know it'll be huge for him. What, tell us about Dickie Dalton. How good is, is he? Is he? Is he? On Norm, Norman seems to think he's a lot below his level. I don't really know much about him, but what do you think? Dickie is a guy that has fought once in the last couple of years, and um, he fought against Gary Morris at Clan Wars a while ago. He hurt his eye. He told told the referee that he couldn't see out of his eye during the fight, which is. A criminal mistake, really, for a fighter. Yeah. Um, if you want to keep fighting, you you say you can see, you know, that sort of thing. But I believe he may have... I don't want to say he detached his retina, but he definitely did hurt his... Uh, he definitely... It was an eye... In, doctor stoppage, anyway. He had fought Mike Cutting earlier on. We saw that at the Bama. He got a decision, but that was his first fight in over four years. He had really bad, uh, really bad knee injuries, as far as I am aware, back in the early days. And that's what stopped him. He was uh, on... He's fought on Clan Wars. I think he was the Clan Wars featherweight champion for a while. He holds a win under over uh, Conor Dundee Dillon, who uh, also fought McGregor a couple of years ago, and he is fighting... He beat Andy Young, but that just goes to show maybe the state of the sport in Ireland at the time when a guy who recently fought for a Bama featherweight title is fighting a guy whose next fight is against Norman Park. So that's kind of... If you're trying to think of Neil Seary's early career, that's pretty much what it would have been in Ireland. Decky will come wanting to fight. I'm not too sure where he's training out of in Belfast at the minute, but I understand he was over in Thailand recently and he's also in Drogheda now for the last couple of weeks before the fight with uh, Declan Kenna and Keith Cavan and the lads at Full Power MMA. So, I don't know. To be honest, Sean, it is a fight and anything can happen, but Norman is a seasoned pro that has fought in the big leagues, that has done everything the right way, this and that. He's been taking jibes at Dalton, saying he has no um, no motivation or this and that. And I just, for someone who a lot of people had a lot of faith in early on in his career, and Decky Dalton to then just kind of walk away from the sport and for this and that, like it would be nice for him maybe to prove all of those people wrong if he would be able to upset Norman Park. But I don't see no. I don't see like fair enough on the feet. Decky would have a good chance, but I don't see there's any way that Norman wouldn't just be able to take him down and control him on the ground. But that's the beauty of it because the fight has to start standing, and Decky is amped for this. Do you know what I mean? He's gonna want to try and make a statement. He feels that a win here over someone like Norman Park would be a perfect kickstart, re-kickstart to his elixir. career. Elixir. Is that the word, is it? Kind of, no. Yeah, it, it was a, something I that you give your you Pokemon. Is it? Yeah, know. back... No, you wouldn't know. You weren't cool no. enough. No. Um, so, it'll be a good fight. And we may as well, since he's messaging me every single day, Declan Kenna, Cage Legacy, it's on Andrada, the 28th of October. We will be there, covering the event. Check it out. Tickets are still on sale, and I believe... Like in fairness, he's been promoting this on Facebook for quite a while. I believe there aren't that many tickets left. So for for someone to be nearly selling out a regional or domestic Irish MMA show is phenomenal. It's going to be a good atmosphere in Drogheda, con loud, the usual stuff. Check right. it out. Right. And speaking I'll be of, there. Uh, speaking of big fight cards this side of the world, we have a numbered event in the what, what did my friend once describe it as the North Atlantic Archipelago. 
as <laughs> UFC Manchester goes down in the MEN arena. Well, I don't it's the Manchester arena now in uh, the the north of England as Michael the Count Bisping takes on Daniel Hindo Henderson over five rounds for the UFC middleweight title. Andrew, this is not a bad card. It's a good card. Before we get into the main card, who are you looking forward to seeing on the undercard? Which which prospects, which oh. good English guys, you know them from the local scene. Which guys are you looking forward to seeing? Why are you saying I know them from the local scene, Sean? Because you're, you're oh, part of local I, MMA and shit. Yeah, sorry. I actually was going to um, go off the point of view that there isn't a UK MMA star until an Irish MMA outlet covers them extensively. But I thought <laughs> you were going with that with a different way entirely. Um, it dropped on severe MMA today. A brilliant Mark Diacasey piece. Yeah. Um, the Paddy Pimlet one a couple of weeks ago was good too. Paddy Pimlet one was brilliant too. And since then, as pointed out by our good friend, Dollars, Paul Dollary. One sec, let me just pull the tweet up here because it was hilarious. Um, ba, 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 ba. I, it's it's coming up on the undercard, Sean. For the sake of it, for the sake of heel hooks, I'm looking forward to seeing Eden Entwistle back again. I know he really does only have uh, people. People complain that he only has this, he only has that, but heel hooks are very entertaining. Leg locks are very entertaining, so I'm looking forward to that. And outside of it, Leon Edwards against Albert Tumanov has the prospect to be a pretty entertaining fight. Um, I, think, I think that's a bad night for Leon Edwards, to be honest. Do you? Yeah, I think Edwards is a big knockup. I could knock him out, but I think Tumanov is—I think Tumanov is a little bit, maybe a level above him. To be honest, I could be wrong. Like Edwards could spark him; he's he's good. But I think Tumanov is very, very good. Mm. Danny but, Roberts getting the fight at a at a UFC card in the UK would yes. be big for him. Like you know, he's been a guy who's um, he's been around it's, the UK scene for a hot long chocolate, time. No? Yeah, hot yeah. chocolate himself. Been a fighting pro, I think, now maybe ne- nearly seven, seven years. Um, I just always remember his name as people talking about him as a UK fighter. Yeah, he's a but good, good, honest fighter. Good, honest fighter. Fighter, an honest pro. Um, but otherwise, Sean, I'm not captivated. You know, as good as like I hear this guy's coming from a really good camp. TBD. He's taking on Mursad Bektich <laughs> this weekend. Um, it, was, it was actually named. I can't remember who it was, but. He was someone. Oh, there is someone. Somebody. It was supposed um, to be Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen pulled out with injury. Um, Are you not? Uh, what about Dia Casey? Yeah, he's the one I'm really excited for. Well, Dia Casey is the curtain opener. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what's going to be. I was actually kind of hoping that you were going to segue into that anyway. And that's why I wasn't going to talk about it. Because I haven't got to watch the full piece on Severe yet. I only watched the first couple of minutes today. And I know it is only a few minutes long. But uh, wait, was that released yet? Or am I meant to be talking about that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was, I think. I think I retweeted it. Yeah, it oh, was. yeah, no, because Graham sent it to me. and I. I but it, that's kind of just about his life. Anyway. It's, not about, it's not about fighting. Right? Yeah, exactly. And he is a guy that we've been lucky enough to see in Bama. Absolute power in his hands. Yeah. Steve has been waxing lyrical to me about this guy for years. You know, Mark Diacasey and Steve Cook-Abbott are probably in a secret relationship at this stage, to be <laughs> honest. But Steve has always, like, at Bama shows before that, he's like, you got to watch out for this guy, Mark Diacasey. And now it seems like he's doing it. He's put, he's put the run together. But, Sean, most of all, he's personable. He is. Do you know what I mean? Seems he, like a really has, nice he seems to be an absolute gent. Do you know, like a really stand-up guy. Yeah. And I'm definitely looking forward to it. Expect a lot of great articles, content, features, and interview requests for Mark Diacasey from pretty much any UK MMA outlet now in the next couple of weeks. 
I've uh, Sean has an old article about uh, UFC Manchester coming up. Are so. you going to tell anyone about that, Sean? Can we reveal that in the podcast? No, I don't think you can yet. Just it'll be revealed Come on. on. on uh, it'll be revealed on Twitter soon. Okay, so everybody next, listening. In the next, al- by the time the podcast comes out, it could already it could be out. So keep an eye on twitter.com forward slash Sean Sheehan BA. Yes. It nearly brought a tear to my glass eye. I'm absolutely oh. delighted for Mr. Sheehan. Ah, uh, well. There's good news coming, and you'll all be congratulating him. Yeah. I will. So that's it. He's Listen. signed with Joe.ie, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's getting the fuck out of here. I'm gone. Fuck you, Graham. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the main card. Bektish, I can't remember who he's fighting, but it doesn't really make fighting some nobody, I think, pretty much. <laughs> Actually, the, the guy who came in to fight him pulled out again, and I think they might be looking for someone else. He was supposed to be fighting Aaron Allen in a fucking great fight. It was my favourite fight in the car, but it's gone. Uh, Struve against Omilanchuk, who cares? OSP against Manoa. I like that fight as well. I don't know who's going to win that fight. Who do you think is going to win that fight? <sighs> OSP, to be honest. Yeah, I think he's going to ruin Manoa's night. Like, I don't know, is he going to have a sort of advantage that he's like fighting in the UK and there's going to be a lot of people travelling up from London and like he got sparked by Anthony Johnson, he's taken the air out, we've absolutely no idea what he's done in that time. Has he worked on wrestling, has he worked on this, has he worked on that? I think OSP, is a, for a man who has built his career on stopping people with his hands or getting two leg injuries and winning victories in a row, whatever mm. you're having yourself... Jimmy Manoa and OSP is just a poor matchup for OSP, a poor matchup for Manoa. It I'm is, not yeah. too sure. Like I am kind of looking forward. This could be the performance, I suppose, in the co-main from someone like Gegard Mousasi that we've been expecting of him for quite a while. Despite the fact that Vitor could be finished at this stage, we're not too sure. This is a real, uh, like, okay. Are you still legitimate, or is it time that we're starting grouping you into the we don't want to see you be fighting? anymore sort of thing um, what do you think of the co-main I, I think, think it's Gegard yeah I think it's an easy fight for Musashi I think Belfort's absolutely fucking finished <laughs> well <laughs> don't sit on the fence on that one Sean uh, if Musashi doesn't win this he's finished as well now I think this is I think it's it, it might be a Sean, bad fight sorry we're talking yeah. about the co-main event not the main event between Michael Bisping and Jack <laughs> I think uh, I think it'll be a good fight for the first round because I think Vitor always comes out and just throws a letter. So he could like he could still catch Musasi. You'd never know. Um, there might be a little bit of TRT left in in, in you know in the inner depths of him somewhere. He might be able to throw a spinning back kick. But um, <laughs> Graham's definitely gonna have to listen to this episode. That TRT I... that was le- was left over was legally taken TRT when it was legal in the sport. Just should, uh, I should add there. But um, Jacob Musasi. He got knocked up at Uriah Hall, but it was kind of he was caught hard by Uriah Hall. He's looked all right, other than that, and I think I think he'll box up uh, Vitor Belfort, land a lot of jabs, and you know Vitor Belfort in 2016 is a guy who'll get caught once or twice and go down. I think to be honest, so um, it could it could be a good fight for the first round, but after that, not great. It it'll be good. I think there'll be a good knockout on it, which will make it uh, a bit more enjoyable. Highlight reel. Hopefully it's not a UFC Europe card where we have decision, 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 which we have seen in the past, the past year or so. Um, if I'm right in saying that, I could be completely wrong, but I seem to remember a European card from one, yeah. quite frequently that was decision laden, decision heavy. Um, but it's escaping the, the venue and the name. I suppose on the main event, Manchester's own 
Niall McGrath talking bros <laughs> he's not actually from Manchester is he not he's from, he's from Clitheroe then why is everyone pretending he's coming home and fighting in Manchester and this and that well he's it's close enough to Manchester alright oh, right. so you're just being pedantic well no it's not it's kind of like saying you're from Dublin Oh, right. Well, then, yeah, fuck Michael Bisling's not from Manchester. <laughs> or even, even worse, because you're close enough to them. It's like saying someone from fucking, I don't know, someone from... Drogheda. No. And even further, like Mayo is Wicklow. from Dublin or something. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh, then. A few hours, like. Yeah, well, well, it's not that much either. I don't know. Oh, wait, Just no. Sorry, I'm completely wrong. Why, like, Michael Bisling isn't even fighting at home. Oh, yeah, he's from LA. Cyprus. So I'm sorry for all Graham. Oh yeah. God! What? No. He's, I I love the way you know. I I no, always think, I know oh, you're gonna say. Does Graham just say to me? But no, he says it to everyone. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's no. Cyprus. <laughs> to be honest, Graham hasn't said that to me, and if he has, he probably has a few years ago. But <laughs> yeah, um, he, it's just because I went onto his page to see where his Wikipedia page to see where he was from, the town that he's from, and it says born in Nicosia, Cyprus, and I was like. Oh, better make that reference. Like, Graham loves Graham saying um, Brian Stannis from Japan as well. Well, UK MMA's biggest export is Alistair Overeem. So 100%. let's be honest about that. Like, biggest so, star to come out of there. Fucking madman. Andrew, okay, let's talk about the main events. Let's digress. We don't want to get people giving out to us again. Uh, Michael Bisping against Daniel Henderson. I think this is a very similar fight to the first fight in that Dan Henderson will be coming out, throwing a uh, high scratchy leg kick and trying to take Michael Bisping's head off with an overhand right. Bisping will be trying to. Bisping is a different fighter than he was the first time, but. He'll be more, I think he'll be more technical with his hands, more def- more defensive with his hands, a little bit less attacking, um, but more output, you know, in such a way that he'll be able to hit and then defend well in the pocket rather than hitting and trying to circle and circle and keep circling. I think that's, I think that's kind of, um, it's obviously still going to be there because of the way Dan Henderson fights, but it's it's a thing that MMA has kind of progressed from just circling away from the power all the time. I think there's better ways of doing it uh, with range control, and I think Dan, uh, Michael Bisping will be in closer to to Dan Henderson this time um, than the first fight where he was basically standing on the outside waiting to get fucking punched in the face by Dan Henderson trying to divide it. But uh, yeah, Ailey, uh, as I said, either he'll either be all the way in, all the way out, Henderson can obviously land that punch at anyone, you know, it's, uh, it's the thing you kind of have to say when he's fighting, but I'd expect Mike, Michael Bisping to to win this one, and decision is the most likely, but I think I think Bisping could get I think he could get a late stoppage, because Dan Henderson is 78 years old and it's five rounds. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm not disputing you. I actually do think that Bisbing's going to get a finish. And mm. if and it, like, I would just love for him to lay the belt and just be like, sorry, boys, I'm just guaranteeing myself absolute slagging for the rest of my time in the sport of mixed martial arts in an analyst position. If I walk away as the champion after beating a guy as good as Luke Rockhold and then dismantling Dan Henderson, don't give anyone the chance to beat you, Michael. Do you know, finish up there, leave the belt in the cage and allow the UFC to have that inaugural four-man tournament that they're already matching up at light, at middleweight at the moment. Chris Weidman versus Yoel Romero and Jack Ray Souza versus Luke Rockhold to determine 
who gets to fight for the strap? Here, Andrew. Here, Sean. I can I can announce what the thing was now. Can it's you? Just, Did you just get a message? Yeah. Yeah. Delighted for you. That now, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Sheehan has announced, or has been signed, I suppose you could say. He's going to be doing an article for probably the biggest mixed martial arts website in the world. The biggest named mixed martial arts website in the world. Suredog.com. Every time there's a European event, the famous Sheehan preview will be posted exclusively on Sherdog.com. Well, no, no it's, not, it's not the preview. It's oh, am I the preview completely wrong? Man. Yeah, oh, no, it's, fuck's it's, sake. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was going well, like. It was going well, yeah. You'll see I have one up. It was just posted on um, on Sherdog. It's about uh, Bisping against Henderson. And just, it'll be different things. I'll have one for you. See Belfast as well. So it could be, could be a little bit of both uh, uh, Neil Seary or something like that. So... You know, so, should be fun. And are we allowed to say what Severa and May are getting in exchange? Oh, um, we better we better not. I think, but it's coming. There's something big coming to Severa May tomorrow as well. We've got we've like we have a partnership with with uh, um, Sure Dog. Sure Dog. So, we might, so. You, you you tell you know the nuts and bolts. Just tell the people the crack. Yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be something special coming to Severa May in the next couple of days. Also, Severa May yourself, Andrew, and the lads doing the interviews and stuff. They're gonna be up on on Sherdog as well as on Severa May. But you'll still be able to get everything on Severa May. I'm still with Severa May and, and doing everything as I normally did. But um, yeah, delighted to be on with Sherdog. So give Sherdog a follow um, and have a read. Spread it out. Help, uh, this is big like because this this might you know if people don't spread it out if people don't read it it might never happen again so I'll give it no lash there it's uh, going to be a regular thing as you said for European events we're not losing him he's still going to be here on Severe MMA Severe MMA podcast every Tuesday of course he would not leave that behind but um, I'm definitely looking forward to it the reason that I'm stalling on this topic for so long is that Graham's been typing on WhatsApp for the last 60 seconds asking if we can reveal the other part of the deal <laughs> Because you know how excited and over the top I'm going to get about talking about that. Yes. But... Come on, Graham. What are you <laughs> doing? And do you know what? It's just going to be no. <laughs> I don't know why he's typing this long. But anyway, what's next on the agenda? Um, Questions, Andrew. Well, while you're pulling up those questions, let me... And my trousers. <laughs> let me uh, say it to our friends, go over... Head on over to rosnutrition.com, uh, our wonderful sponsors, where you can find all the best um, uh, supplements, all the best vitamins, everything like that. You, you heard it all at the start. ROS Nutrition, 25% off your first order with the promo code SEVEREMMA. And as well as that, our second sponsor, Team Jacked. You can go over and find them on Instagram. Um, dot com forward slash team jacked you can find team jacked on facebook you know what they do they give you they're going to make you up your workouts your personal workouts for the week download the app they'll send you all all your workouts all you need for a week get fit you know we're helping you help yourself team jacked free trial as well free trial for a week yeah feel free trial get that free trial instagram.com forward slash team jacked rosnutrition.com get swole basically that's it the new new slogan of the Severe MMA podcast (laughs) Sean we've received correspondence also in exchange Sean Sheen is going to be doing some uh, articles for Sherdog very happy to announce the one and only Jordan Breen is going to be contributing 
from time to time over at Severe MMA. Every time Sean will do one, they'll send one back over as well. Jordan Breen, an encyclopedia of mixed martial arts knowledge, the host of the Jordan Breen Show and formerly the host of the Cheap Seats with himself and Greg. Absolutely phenomenal broadcaster, phenomenal knowledge. Top writer as well. Very, like If you ever have gotten an email from Jordan or a message from Jordan, it like it's like he's reading a children's storybook to you. Like Graham always makes reference to when a couple of years ago when we had opened uh, dialogue, I suppose, with these guys about maybe doing, um, they really liked the 10,000 hours piece and Jordan was like, Okay, Graham, here's what I'm thinking. Walk with me for a moment as I bring you through my thought process. That's in an email to someone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's like you're reading a conversation. So uh, that's the other exciting news on the severe MMA side of things. Nice. Ah! Um, so, Sean, since, that, since I had to pull up uh, that message there from Graham, I'm on the severe MMA podcast Twitter page now, and I'm clicking likes. And we have our questions. Unfortunately, because I don't want to ruin tradition, I have to get to the bottom. Mr. Podge. Sean, regarding Aldo's retirement comments, surely no one believes him. Or was he shocked that Dana was going back on his word? Say that again now? Sorry. Regarding Jose Aldo's retirement comments, surely no one believes him. Or was he shocked that Dana went back on his word? And considering the time between his defences, are the comments now not a tad hypocritical? I said earlier the time between his defenses. I don't think. It's I think that's. Injured. I think it's irrelevant. Yeah. yeah, I I think he's doing this to try to exert, exert leverage. I said earlier, but I don't think he has that much leverage to exert. To be honest, okay, he's on the top fighters in the world and stuff. And but uh, I don't know. I think I think they're happy enough. You know, I haven't Conor McGregor. Um, fight who he wants and earn, earn big money to be honest um, but to answer that question I don't think he'll stay retired no? so I think he will be back so there you go uh, Farrell Connolly win or lose should Rashad Evans call it a day he's not getting any younger first and last fight in New York for him perhaps is this his debut at middleweight Has yeah he made, uh, no he's fighting Tim Kennedy in his debut years in the making um, yeah I <sighs> If he lose, no, I don't think so. I think if he loses, he'll have another fight at middleweight. You know, he could come out. Caught was hard for me, or something like that. Um, I, th- I think Rashad Evans has talked about retirement a little bit over the last maybe two years, and he's had a lot of injuries, and maybe that's why people are talking about it. But I think I still think Rashad has plenty in in the uh, in the gas tank or in the petrol tank. Even I don't think he's finished uh, just yet, but. Look, if he did retire, he's not to prove to anyone he's been a champion. If he got out with his health intact, I'd have no problem with that. Marco Curran, Currens and Raisins, with the best Twitter bio of any of our followers. He said, runs regressions and goes on the sessions. Has UFC nice. 205 been finalised? There's there still room for McGahan versus Punk to be the fight pass prelim main event. Make it happen. There's definitely uh, still room. Is there gonna is there's twelve fights in the card, I believe, Sean? So I think someone said there was room for one more. Now whether that was before or after Habib versus Michael Johnson, I'm not sure. So I don't think there's any major ones coming. There could be a smaller one, but I think that's about it. Hmm. Uh I need to apologize for Jay Bando because I completely stole his question and put it into my analysis earlier on. How <laughs> ridiculous was Eddie's assessment of Connor's game? Say you're gonna beat him, that's fine, but saying he sucks. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, we spoke about this in the podcast a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but um, Eddie Alvarez doesn't believe that. He he knows Conor McGregor is a very good good fighter. Um, he's just saying that. Like Conor McGregor is saying, you know, 
he says lots of things about lads being terrible too and things. Um, he uh, Alvarez, as you said, they're just coming out saying he sucks is a bit. Uh, you know, it's not. He could have done it in a better way, but he doesn't believe it. He knows how good Conor McGregor is. Exactly, um, Marty Lada. This is. I love this guy's questions. Do you know why? Because it's an American perspective trying yeah, to like learn well. the European and Irish way of living. He wants to know, Sean, do you ever get some odd satisfaction when Man United aren't doing well? He does with Real Madrid. He loves them, but every now and then a humbling can be good. And that is, like, I, I can agree with that from an American mindset and also maybe a martial arts mindset, you know what I mean, about being kept in check. But it's not applied to football over here at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or do you think it's good? See, see uh, I, I've supported the Limerick Hurdlers and have for, for years, and we've been nothing but shit for the whole time. I, and, uh, like, people might think, oh, Harlan's not a big deal, but, for, like, I didn't miss a, a Limerick Championship hurling game for maybe... 14 years I went to every one of them and I, I kind of stopped going in because I had to work and stuff and I just I haven't gone in a few years now but I, uh, like it's there's they brought out a book there recently maybe five years ago about Limerick Carlin it was called Unlimited Heartbreak so that, that should tell you enough about it um, I didn't mind like when I watch soccer for now soccer for me when I do, you know, because of MMA, it's kind of a release. It's something I can enjoy from a, like a fan's perspective. Whereas MMA covering it like this, you kind of you lose something because you're not a fan anymore. Um, but I like I still love the fights and everything. But for soccer, I like to enjoy. It. And when United are playing shit and stuff, it's it can be a little bit less enjoyable. But I still I watched every game all through. Like I I think I missed maybe one or two games in the whole Moyes and Van Hal era. I watched all of them so. I still, I still enjoy it. I still like watching them, and um, yeah, I don't know, a little bit, I suppose, because of United were winning for so many years. It's, it's no harm to be on the other end of it, be to see what it's like for Liverpool fans, you know, to be terrible. Ah, <laughs> uh, Spencer Carpen, any prediction for two o five's fight of the night? And if you're only able to watch one fight off the card, what would it be, Sean? I was actually discussing this with Patrick Oddly the other day, and I think it'd be McGregor against Alvarez. I think that's the most, as the one I'd watch the most, which is not usual for these guys. There's usually one. And you remember, like, we had Gunnar Nelson against Damian Maya, and now it didn't turn out to be a great fight. But that was kind of the one that was illuminating people. Uh, fight at night. Um, it won't be, I don't think it'll be the main event. I don't think it'll be Wonderboy against Woodley. I don't think it'll be on against Carlina. Fjord Romero and Weidman. Chris Weidman yeah. fighting for the New Yorkers. Who else is on it? Um, Pennington. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, Rio Allen and Weidman was the first one to come into my head, to be honest. So it could be. Garrett Gargan wants to know, Irish travelling for UFC 205. A yeah. lot or diminished due to the cost? Who is coming for 205 from Severe? Let me just throw something out here first, Sean. This mm-hmm. is going to be the biggest Irish attendance at a Wayne's and at a fight. These wins are going to blow out anything that has ever been done in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And if the UFC are able to put them somewhere even bigger than Madison Square Garden, they would sell it out. Yeah. The Irish that like, I, I booked my flight for under 500 euro. It's a direct flight. The benefits of the fights being in New York, Sean, I listed all three of them. Number one, it's not in Vegas. Number two, it's a direct flight. And number three, it's not in Las Vegas. New York City is going to be turned green. There's already... 
thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Irish that are living there that have been in their lifetime living in Ireland already. Do you know what I mean? That have emigrated for work. Not including all of the Irish relatives, the half-Irish, the settled Irish, and the Irish that are going to be flying over. It's a cheap flight. You stay with your mates. You spend the weekend in New York. You do your Christmas shopping and you get home. It's not close to Christmas. There's a good time. Do you know what I mean? It's a good time way. There's an Aer Lingus summer sale. Flights are cheap to New York at this time. It's going to blow out anything that has ever been done before. And like lads, like a lot of lads going over, they might have girlfriends and are like, you're not going to fucking Vegas again. Whereas this time they can just bring their girlfriends with them and they can go and shop exactly. in New York. They'd be fucking delighted. Definitely so not work doing out well that. For everyone. But I understand uh, Peter Carroll and Elaine are going on holidays to New York. Well, Peter they're Carroll. not, but hopefully he's listening to this with no speakers or headphones on and Elaine <laughs> hears it and now she's coming to New York as That's well. She went to, him, to Vegas with him once, didn't she? Or she no, went she went to Stockholm. Stockholm. She went to Stockholm. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, so uh, that was my first time meeting Elaine. It was really uncomfortable. I was like, hi, I'm Peter's best friend from the internet. Oh, uh, but she wasn't having <laughs> none of it. But uh, yeah, I'm heading over. I assume PT will be heading over. I don't know about Niall or, or My sister was trying to get me to go, but no, I'm not Come going. on, Sean. Oh. Let's go to New York. Let's fucking take the Big Apple by storm. Live Severe MA podcast in a stereotypical Irish pub in New York City. Ah. Go on, next question. What are we, what next, are we next question. Morgan was awake in Spain 12 hours ago. Oh, yes. He set out the, the questions. If McGregor takes the lightweight title, mm-hmm. who first? And will he do Bisbing? Will he do a Bisbing or take a contender? I think. Aldo at 155, as I said earlier on, is the money fight to make and stretch out the Diaz trilogy as long as possible until it's for a title. I think McGregor is such a maniac and such a fellow. He'll call out Wonderboy. No, I think he'll fight Habib. Yeah, I think he's that insane. I think he'll fight Habib. Can we just say that Aldo versus Habib, like someone sent us a tweet during the week, I think just in general, Best take down the fence in the UFC. I've been saying that for months. I, I want to see that fight. That's so the fight I want like. to see. Uh, that's the best fight in the UFC. I want to see that fight more than anything. Brilliant. Sean, yeah. Robert Burke wants to know, what's your favourite weight classes top to bottom? We won't go top to bottom. Just tell us your top two favourite weight classes. <laughs> Mine are bantamweight yeah. and light heavyweight. So Top two favourite? Yeah. Light heavyweight is your second favourite? Um, I you just mean had... lightweight? Yeah. Oh, wait, no. No, no, never mind. Sorry. I was going my favourite and my least favourite. Oh, your favourite least? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. That's sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, I, I should have said that. I get you. My favourite is... I think Bantamweight's good as well. I like Federer. I like... I'm going to go with Lightweight. And my least favourite is... Um... Hmm... Women's bantamweight. Sexist, misogynist, <laughs> fucking sexism. Oh, of course you'd say that. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> uh, sorry, we had gotten a question asking was the... Uh, oh, no, actually, hold on. Middleweight, middleweight. I hate middleweight. Yeah, it's shite. Shaub <laughs> uh, Youssef got an unreal uh, submission at ACB at the weekend. 
Um, oh, women's band was, the way it's actually. Take, take it back. <laughs> yeah, go on. And it was sent on to us um, by Mr. Podge as well. I was just watching it. It was an absolutely surreal armbar. Um, Barry Gilly wants to know, who, by the way, Barry, you're an absolute legend, man. You sent us a couple of really nice messages in the last two weeks. We really appreciate it about Severe MMA, the guys on it. You're a top bloke. Surely, having missed weight for so much, will the win for Oliveira, it should be struck. And is it bad implications for Brooke? Where do you see the both guys going from here on? Um, yeah, I think Oliveira will just get another maybe top 15 guy. Uh, I think he actually might go to welterweight again uh, because I think he's just too big for lightweight. Um, Brooks. Uh, what's his name? Will Brooks. Yeah, Will Brooks. Will Brooks uh, I think someone like Gilbert Melendez would be a good next fight for him. Oh, that's a good shout. Mm. Um, a couple of quick ones to finish off Gary Wallace I'm going to take this one he said do you think amateur i.e. same day weigh-ins should have a few more weight classes 68, 73 and 80 kg I 100% agree I think it's not like forget about it it's amateur MMA you don't need to follow the jurisdiction of professional mixed martial arts the promoter should be offering catchweight fights and should be offering to guys say look what do you weigh right now okay that's what your fight's going to be at do you know, actually, no, it'll be at a kilo heavier just in case you put on a little bit. Because at same day weigh-ins, it's fine. We need to start getting rid of weight cutting from the sport of mixed martial arts at an amateur level completely. Boom. Sean. Gary Wallace from... Um, from Wexford. Or no, Waterford. 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 From, um, what's the name of that show come again? Dance, uh, come come dance, dine with me. No, Come Dine With Me, yeah. Great show. <laughs> His bio is TV star of Come Dine With Me Ireland. <laughs> but he's uh, yeah. involved with the... Uh, Team Rhino Team Waterford Rhino, guys yeah, yeah. yeah. He and he's uh, used to be I interviewed him a couple of years ago down in the battle zone in Cork and I believe he was also he has a weird relationship with Dermot and Dave I think from Today FM I think he's been on the show a few times oh, really? I think I was driving once and he came on and I was like I wonder is that the same Gary Wallace from Der- Dermot followed me on Twitter actually oddly did he so, yeah. I have a feeling that Dermot follows everybody on Twitter I don't think so oh could he maybe he could? I don't know. He might pray. Okay, okay. Enough, Honor two more questions, and we must give away a fucking T-shirt as well, Andrew. I know. I have the T-shirt winner here. Don't you worry about Sweet. that. Mick Duffy says, "What do you think about a woman's one forty-five tough with the finale being held on the same night that Cyborg fights home for the belt?" Yeah, sign me up for that. DJ Short Khalid, thing. Sean Sheehan likes that. Like um, Sean, this is one thing that I want to just ask you about very quickly before we get on to it. It's a question. Will the UFC fighters like the new Planet Hollywood celebrity investment? Mm. And what's your reaction to it? Because, fair enough, we're lying here. Paul Dollarian actually pays us money to mention him on the podcast. But (laughs) he retweeted someone saying that these celebrities that have invested in it are all part of a union. Yeah. So, (laughs) it's kind of ironic that... The fighters aren't, and they are, and it's like they should actually be showing them how to do this, like. But they can't because they're invested in it and they lose more money now. The first thought I went through me, the went through my mind was, get on the see... Ryan Loco's Twitter page as well. By the way. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Uh, do you see? It's now a plating for like twenty celebrities. When there's guys like Alaya Quinta who can't get prayed properly, you know, to fight. I think it's like. Yeah. 
I know it, it's such it's such a like when people talk about the country of Brazil, you know, there's these ultra rich people at the top, and then there's these poor people at the bottom. You know, it's that's the fucking DFC. He's like that, you know. These guys are not getting paid enough. Even the good guys are not getting paid enough. And you have like these people who are it's basically they're plating at the top. Like Serena Williams has never seen the UFC fight in her fucking life, or either has uh, who who else fucking. Uh, I don't know. Your man from the Maroon Five. Never seen a UFC. Fight. Adam, Levine. Adam Levine. At least Gordon Ramsay and Anthony Kiedis are always there. And no, well, Anthony Kiedis loves you know? it. In fairness, yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a bit weird. I think it's a start of it. I don't. I thought it was a troll to, at first, to be honest. So but I think I. I think it's just um, a kind of a promotional thing. I think these boys are. I didn't even pay money or anything. I don't know. I don't think they actually do own any of it. I think it's just uh, because they're part of um, what's it called uh, WME that they're just basically fucking you know it's a name thing you know it's a name kind of thing. So all I want is Gordon Ramsay to come in and scream at fighters after fights. Do you know what I mean? Because Gordon Ramsay memes are the best thing the best things on the internet. Sean, question for you. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because you didn't fucking cook it! (laughs) (laughs) This pork is so raw, it's still singing Hakuna Matata! You don't care. (laughs) Gordon Ramsay's the man. Okay, final two questions and then we are going. Keen097 says, A lot of people believe Conor McGregor to have terrible takedown defence. What's your opinion on it? He thinks it's quite good. Yeah, it's good. He's he's shown good takedown events um, uh, in lots of in lots of fights um, in in the past. So it's good. That's what you want, Sean. Yeah. The final question, and I suppose it's probably the best and most thought provoking question that we've gotten this week. Who would win in a fight between a shark and a hippo from Chris Emanuel MMA? I think. Uh, oh, would a shark be able to get through the hippo's thick skin? But the shark would die out of water. So I no, but it, it, no, the shark. It, okay, I'm let's looking, say the shark be, can breathe on the ground. No, but it, I think it'd be in water, but like low water, where the hippo would be able to be a little bit out of it. But the hippo could like dive down into the water and like head the shit out of the shark and stuff. Head the shit. So okay, let's so <laughs> yeah. say it's in a it's in a paddling pool. Yes, but it's in a huge paddling pool where the hippo, there's enough water for the shark to be able to maneuver, but also enough for the hippo to be able to tread freely through the water. Yeah. I think the shark could probably take the leg off the hippo, depending again on the size of the shark, yeah. and the size of the hippo. It's Look, once we start barge fighting championships on international waters, we have our main event already, ladies and I, gentlemen. I think the shark would be too fast for the hippo as well. Yeah. Like the hippo would go to kick the shark or stand and the shark would just swim away. I think shark. I think shark would. He'd be a bite him and bite him and bite him, bite him about a hundred times, and then he'd be fucked up. Yeah, so it'd be like a lot of uh... output. The yeah. shark would have better output than the hippo. That's it. So Sean, I actually put up a question asking for no top five lists, and then everybody sent me a lot of top fives. Yeah. So I'm um, ignoring all of those questions, but I love the fact that you all did that to me. You're okay. sneering bastards. And uh, the final question, I believe, was reserved for the former birthday boy himself. Patrick, Patrick Sheehan what was it what's the estimated pay for you sales for UFC 205 I'm going to say it's going to hit 2 milli oh I'm going to say 1.6 oh excellent another episode of the Severe May podcast in the books ladies and gentlemen who won the t-shirt the t-shirt oh fuck it went off my phone my phone locked it is 
Okay, tell everyone about the social media channels because Twitter crashed. Um, follow us on at SevereMepod. Follow me at Sean Sheehan BA. Follow Andrew, Andrew, at Andrew McGahan underscore. Follow at SevereMe. Go and follow me on Facebook as well. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Sean Sheehan MMA. Um, search SevereMe on Facebook as well. And uh, add Andrew at his Facebook page. And, uh, and go and rest. follow at Vorpitality. Andrew Pearson, the winner of the SevereMe podcast t-shirt Houston Re- Houston Texas resident please Andrew send us uh, I'm just after following you please send me a DM with your shipping address and size that you'd like of this very made podcast t-shirt and I will get it out to you ASAP Sweet. the remaining orders if you're listening to this podcast that went out right this morning Gary Doyle, I'm so sorry, but it's gone. You will have it by Wednesday. Everybody else, you can order a Severe MMA t-shirt over at SevereMMA.com. Sean Sheehan is heading to the big Limerick City tonight, so we're going to let him go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting SevereMMA.com, the Severe MMA podcast. Sure Dog's new boy, Sean Sheehan, and myself, oh. Andrew McGahan. We will be back, and we will see you in seven days' time. But ladies and gentlemen, Sean Sheehan, wrap it up, motherfucker. Until then. See you next Tuesday.